Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the podcast, uh, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis show wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies. And in this way, we attempt to catch up on our respective cinemas. Uh, So last month, the month of January, was our fucked up shit event month. And uh, we decided to keep the hype train rolling. And uh, for February, we're doing another event month, and that would be what, Kyle? Guilty pleasures. <laughs> Guilty pleasures. Everyone, everyone has a few, even me and even you. <laughs> um, so, guilty pleasures are a thing that, like I said, everybody, we all have them, especially when it comes to movies, I think, because there's, there's something to be said for a place and time when it comes to movies. Like, I feel like we all had movies that were special to us when we were young, especially, that they're not, like, objectively good, (laughs) but, you know, it's what you had. It was like, in my case, it's like you had a certain number of VHS movies that were at the ready, that you you took special care to make sure were rewound and ready to go, and you just, it was very comfortable. It was like a security blanket or something, where it's like, oh yeah, I can watch Die Hard every week. Or, oh yeah, I could watch Transformers the movie every day. <laughs> but See, I think for me, a real guilty pleasure would be Titanic. Uh, I love that movie because it's like almost like a costume drama, the first part, because it takes place in like the early uh, 20th century. But then the second half is like a horror movie. <laughs> no, so, yeah. Titanic is, is a perfect example of like this thing that like my brother brings up every once in a while. Like He references Top Gun as like mm. the perfect his and her movie where it's like it has the perfect ratio like the perfect balance of like beefcake romance and jets <laughs> and then it has a rock and soundtrack on top of it so it's like no matter who you are you walk into that movie and you're gonna get a good a good chunk of what you want out of it and same with titanic like that's the secret genius of that movie is that it gives you everything in yeah. one movie and um, James Cameron really has a knack for that, where it's like, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna satisfy, we're gonna scratch this itch, and then then we're gonna go hard in the last half and like make it crazy savage. <laughs> um, where does Predator rank on the his and hers? Because I really feel like that's a little bit of something for both of uh, both of you. There's a lot of violence and beefcakes for the guy, and a lot of beefcakes for the lady. <laughs> well, I mean, it has to be the kind of lady or. Or whoever really that's that's into to beefcakes because mm. I know I know especially in Seattle the uh, the spindly tall guy is kind of a look <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like and there's not a whole lot of that going on unless maybe you're into Poncho or Shane mm. Black and yeah. I don't think anyone's into Poncho because nobody's he's like, into Poncho especially after he gets his ribs smashed actually you Poncho know is po- such a sad sack you know, it's actually he's probably the best looking one of that group. Like, just yes. as far as physique and, like, just his face. But I think 
I think uh, Jesse Ventura is the biggest. Actually, I'm sorry. I, I I'm so so I'm so wrong. Carl Weathers is the best looking person in that whole ensemble. Fuck I just, yes. I just watched <laughs> Predator. I'm like, my God, he's good looking, and he's no, like ripped to shit. No, Dylan is is pristine in that movie, mm. and it's it's yes. hard to believe that this was this was post Rocky movies. Like this was even post Rocky. Oh no, 4. kidding. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. No, Rocky Four was eighty five. And Predator was 87, so it's like, damn. <laughs> Happy Gilmore, he wasn't joking when he was like, I could have played football, but my mama wouldn't sign the uh, permission slip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there might be like a personal story in there, but as far as I remember, he, he actually did play pro ball. Well, like, there's plenty of eye candy in this movie. Yes. Um, so I got first pick for Guilty Pleasures Month, and... I'm gonna, kinda, had, I'm gonna shoehorn in on this one. I, this is one of mine as well. This is okay. one that we both adore. Okay, but the the trouble with this whole this whole month, this whole setup, guilty pleasures, is that I was telling you off air that um, I feel like everything I like, not just movies, but just just everything in general, I feel slightly guilty about. <laughs> like, yeah. like there's a bit of shame that comes with almost everything that I like. So it was actually very difficult for me, like very difficult to the to the extent that I have yet to even make an official selection for my second movie this month. Yeah, I'm scared. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, you should be. <laughs> you will be. Like, are we going China Chinese? Are we going American Chinese? Are we going American Bulgaria? Are we going Chinese Bulgaria? Are we going Japan? Are we going American Japan? What are we? Go- Where is it going to be? Wherever we go kyle someone's gonna get punched we're going to indonesia (laughs) are we going to thailand i have no idea where we're going Ooh, thailand kickboxer (laughs) we haven't done a van damme movie i was gonna say i haven't seen a single entire van damme film i have not seen a single entire stallone film i have not seen i've seen a couple of steven seagal movies but i'm open to any of those okay well i'll consider that but um Okay, enough dilly-dallying. Uh, yeah. My selection, my first selection for Guilty Pleasures Month was Paul W.S. Anderson's Mortal Kombat from 1995. Uh, so this would be based on the Midway arcade game from 1992. Ever uh, heard Mortal of Com- <laughs> Yeah, have you ever heard of Mortal Kombat? <laughs> it's like we're only up to 11 main title entries, and that's discounting all the spinoffs. It's kind of a big fucking deal, especially in the 90s. Uh, which is when it came out. Uh, it was rated PG-13, which was, um, I think, expected at the time. Yeah. Like w- We weren't ready for that. We weren't ready for like a hard R video game adaptation because we'd only had like one or two at this point. Like Super Mario Brothers was the first. That was the progenitor. That was 1993, and it was not very good. <laughs> From what I've heard, um, yeah. Yeah, I forget when Double Dragon came out, but that was that was it's, a I think it had to have been like right before or directly right after this because I remember my next door neighbor having the Double Dragon action figures at the same time I was renting the fuck out of this at Blockbuster. Well, yeah, before we get into the movie and I think this is a whole conversation unto itself, so if you want to go off on it, we certainly can. Um just the nature of, of video game adaptations at this time. It was a really it was a really strange time for the genre because it, it just came it just came into existence and we we're still figuring out we're still figuring it out. out. <laughs> um, you, you could argue that there are you could count on one hand the number of passable video game movie adaptations. Like this not is the even, holy grail. I mean, that's what's funny about it, is like I think of it as a guilty pleasure because it has a lot of 
90s quirks to it a lot of things that i was telling you feel like you had to have been there qualities where like if you if you weren't raised on this this shit if you weren't raised on the dairy (laughs) then you probably don't have a tolerance for it (laughs) uh see i think the set design is what makes this like you're able to revisit this film is because the set designs are like they spared no expense. Like it looks like an expensive set design, and it doesn't feel like you're in the same place every time. It's yeah, it's really nice. That's like a core tenet of like Paul Anderson, Paul W. S. Anderson's. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say there is a difference. <laughs> yeah, um, that's like one of his biggest strengths as a filmmaker is his sets. Like especially Event Horizon. Um, oh, I love Event he Horizon. he pays attention to his set dressings. Um, he has a lot of stylistic flourishes and quirks that um are definitely his own but like i do think it's really funny that we have the underworld franchise and the resident evil franchise paralleling each other exactly and both franchises are headed up by husband wife teams Mm. and both franchises involve a lot of slow motion uh leather wear fighting (laughs) (laughs) so they wins by the way i wouldn't be surprised if they had if they had a couple of sexy parties and like crossed paths at some point (laughs) Mm. it's like hey len wiseman (laughs) it's like you're you're into that it's like yeah you too huh it's like yeah (laughs) 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 it's like kate beckinsale mila jovovich i'm amazed they haven't found a way to like cross over yeah yeah, that, that would be kind of funny. I could see them doing like an SNL skit together. Like that would be funny. Yeah, I think I it would be hilarious. Back and selling Mila. <laughs> That'd be fun. But yeah, I I picked this movie because I, I don't know. I I think it's I think it has a lot of problems. Like I think it's very hard to go back to if you if you weren't there at the ground level. But I did want to actually talk about just like video game adaptations and just the Mortal Kombat franchise in general. Like. What's your background with the games, Kyle? Um, I we never had we never owned Mortal Kombat. Uh, we would rent it on Sega Genesis um, occasionally. Uh, we had a Super Nintendo at my dad's, a Sega Genesis at my mom's. So we'd rent the movie Mortal Kombat and the game Mortal Kombat uh, concurrently. <laughs> we play those. Um, I did dabble with it a little bit with like other people's houses. We play like Street Fighter and then Mortal Kombat. I always like Street. I always like Mortal Kombat better. Um, and then, of course, this movie. My brother and I kept um, Blockbuster in business just by renting this movie. I don't know why we didn't just buy it. I don't know why our moms didn't buy us <laughs> the movie. Because uh, we would rent it every time. Um, but as far as the games go, I didn't play. I didn't play the games again until Mortal Kombat X, uh, which I love, and I want an Xbox just so I can play that game. Um, I own the game. And I would play it on somebody else's, like my roommate had the Xbox, and I would just play it on there. But I don't know what happened to my game. I don't know what happened to my copy of the game. Oh um, no, yeah. <laughs> we've all been there. We all we've all lost games at some point. It sucks. But yeah, I, I had very limited uh, exposure. The thing I loved most about Mortal Kombat was this movie. That makes sense, and I think that may be the case with a lot of folks. But the the reason why I bring it up and my my personal background with the franchise is is not terribly extensive i mean i've been playing games my whole life i have a fighting games in particular have a very special place in my heart um i i'm not very good at them i really enjoy playing them and i especially love watching them i I know a shit ton about them (laughs) i follow them pretty extensively uh 
but I think our household was more of a Street Fighter household. Like my my brother leaned pretty hard into the Capcom fighting franchises, mm. so like Street Fighter and like the the Versus series, like the Marvel versus Capcoms and the X Men versus Street Fighters and whatnot. But Mortal Kombat, um, I remember really really liking Mortal up to Mortal Kombat two, and then three came out and it became a much more complex affair and. Any fighting game with a block button always gives me trouble. <laughs> like, anytime you have to remember to hold a button to defend yourself for some I reason. That. I never use the block, ever. I mean, especially in Mortal Kombat 3, it seemed like the strategy was always just use the run button, get up in their grill, and just smash. <laughs> just wreck shit. Oh, yeah, and any character that has a teleport, exploit that. <laughs> and that's also part of why I never got the hang of it. But, um,. This movie came out in 1995, um, so at that point, I think we had definitely Super Mario Brothers in 1993 and Street Fighter in 1994. Um, Street Fighter actually easily could have been swapped in for my guilty pleasure because mm. that's that's an ev- that's not you as have, good of a movie. <laughs> you have M. Bison above your head. I can see your poster right behind you. <laughs> Yeah, it's directly (laughs) above my head in the webcam. Uh, So, folks, if you're not aware, there is a painting in the Street Fighter 1994 film of uh, Raul Julia as M. Bison riding a horse. And it's like, it's supposed to be like Napoleon, but with M. Bison slipped in for Napoleon. And I I bought myself a very large print of it (laughs) and framed it. (laughs) That day you bought that, that was a very, like, very big day in your life for me. It was Tuesday. Well said, sir. Nice. Um, but yeah, the the video game adaptation genre of film is something that we're, we're still trying to work the kinks out of. But what's really fascinating about when Mortal Kombat came out is that it came out in 1995. And that, if I remember correctly, we definitely were past Mortal Kombat 2, which was a big fucking deal. Like, I remember the promotion for that was insane. Like, even people who didn't give a shit about video games knew about that. In fact, that was, I think, around the time my brother and I got to do, like, a tour of the Nintendo headquarters, like, the local one. And they had, like, a secret, like, promotional video for it that they let us watch. And it was like, oh, impossible level (laughs) hype. But 1995, at this time, it's like, that was, like, the turning point in this genre of game. It's like you have Mortal Kombat 3 and Street Fighter Alpha, I think both came out the same year. So it was like perfect timing for the movie to come out because that was kind of like the crest of the wave in some ways. Where it's like the like the hardcore fans were going to stick around with it, but things were about to change really dramatically and you know the mainstream people were, were about to taper off because things were about to get more complex and less, I guess, less approachable. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of like a perfect storm where it's like you have a capable director, a decent script, and a handsome movie that that moves. Like it 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 never feels like there's too much downtime in the movie. Mm, I'll argue with you on that once we get to it, but we could we could like throttle back with some of the Raiden exposition after every fight scene. After every fight scene, and then After when he's when he's scene. gone, we slip Kitana in for exactly the same yeah. role. <laughs> it's like somebody needs to make sure people know what's going on. <laughs> so let's Kitana, just have remember pe- her. Yeah, let's just have people talk at Lou. It's like we we don't have confidence in Robin Shu just yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, we should probably get to the movie. Um, 
so yeah it came out in 1995 it's directed by paul ws anderson and the the first frame of this movie is an, is an example of doing it right mm-hmm. so we get the new line logo which already gets me hyped but then mortal combat <laughs> it fucks um, it does not fuck around it, i will give him this it does not mess around getting started it gets right into it interesting no, the characters yeah from frame one, they mm-hmm. hit the theme song. It's like, okay, you, you're you doing it right. Because the theme song is the best thing that came out of this movie. And they know it because they play it like three or four times in this movie. <laughs> and it's not a long movie. <laughs> but yeah, we get the fantastic Mortal Kombat theme song. Um, this, I believe this is done by the, the group The Immortals. Um, I have a strong suspicion that they are German. <laughs> um, but yeah, this... This was back in the day when my memory of the world was every everything on the radio was a Laker game. Like you just felt like you were at the Lakers. <laughs> like you felt you like you were at a basketball game every time you were driving around. There was just a lot of Oh, okay, the like, music got you. Yeah, like a lot of techno dance music, but mm-hmm. it was like a particular brand of dance music. Mm-hmm. Like think of the the soundtrack for Basic Instinct or the beach. <laughs> or Kind of the beach, but that was a little later. No, the, song, si- the, the very last song in this movie. Uh, oh, the, it sound, has that Enya Halcyon sound. On and on. Yeah, that's that's what I think of when I think. I, it, <laughs> I always like it. I, I never listen to it, but when I hear it, I really enjoy it. This was back in the day when record stores, which were a thing, um, had had a very very large world sections. <laughs> like the the world music scene was kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. This was when movies like Con- Congo were getting greenlit because it's like, oh, yeah, we could make that into a movie. People like that shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the first thing we get is the New Line logo and then a man screaming at us, Mortal Kombat. Uh, production logos, flames. And then they even, like, drum up the hype levels even further by adding, like, blade sound effects when the lettering appears on the screen. Mm-hmm. It's like, shing, 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 shing. It's like, Mortal Kombat. It's like, yes, I'm so fucking hyped. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this entire movie could suck balls, but <laughs> but I got the theme song in the title. That's all that matters. Um, and then cut to bad green screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, shot number two, bad green. Yeah. Kyle is doing his very Tibetan accurate... Tibetan monk. Yeah. I can't Yeah, it's throat, throat singing. Um, yeah. Yeah, Kyle's doing a very accurate impression of the score at this point in the film. Um, am I correct? I think the the score for the movie because there's a lot of like techno tracks that were inserted into the movie, mm-hmm. like arranged for the movie, but like done by other artists. Um, kind of similar to like the Matrix Reloaded soundtrack. There is um, an. Go ahead. I think it was George Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, who is a prolific funk. Like like funk artist as, as far as I remember. There's there's two George Clinton. There's George S. Clinton and George Clinton. I think there's this is a different one. Oh um, damn it! I yeah. wanted it to be Erotic City guy. <laughs> no, it's, I think this is a different George Clinton. Oh, that makes me sad. Um, either either way, it's it's not a bad score. Um, no. in fact, there's a couple of instances where they directly reference the game soundtrack. Uh, in particular, I think the first game soundtrack. Which made me happy because it's it's not overdone. It's uh, there's a way of doing it where it's like you know you you reference it, the people who care about it get it, um, but it's not like 
intrusive like it doesn't detract from the experience at all but yeah we get green we get this green screen sky shot and i know what they're going for here they're trying to like basically we're at the anchor wat as far as i know in cambodia so it's like a asian southeast asian temple um and the sky is meant to look like just a a cloudy stormy mess um so it's supposed to look otherworldly and fantastical and we're shooting at a Dutch angle, and we have these two figures fighting, very tiny in the shot, uh, and basically the entire fight, um, which cuts to close-ups immediately after, uh, is done in slow motion. Which right there is a bit of a red flag. Um, if you're, if you're an action fan, that's not what you want. In fact, spoiler alert, uh, that was something in the new Star Wars movie that kind of like made my eyebrow go up, where I was like really we're doing slow-mo in the first shots of this movie really <laughs> really <laughs> um but yeah this is a uh, chan and shang sung played by kerry hiroyuki tagawa um aka johnny tsunami's grandpa <laughs> uh, you and i have a mutual appreciation for this gentleman mm-hmm. um i think he's great in everything he's in i think it's unfortunate that he often plays bad guys because he's he's very charming but just like combination of his facial construction and his demeanor just makes him perfect for playing jackasses. He plays a pretty good guy in uh, The Man in the High Castle. I like his character on there. Yeah, I think you told me that before where it's like he has some layers to him and he mm-hmm. gives a good performance. And that made me really happy that yeah. he's he's getting up there in years, but he's still getting like juicy roles. Like it's, on- probably, it's probably the most like the most character like it's the most i've seen him in a developed character like i've only seen him in this uh the what was the was it 47 ronin where he plays the emperor yeah yeah i've only seen yeah, him that he he, that. he didn't have anything to do in that <laughs> no he was just sitting there no he i mean it's part of it i think is like the time in which he was coming to prominent well, prominence he he's a character actor um but like the the late 80s mid through the mid 90s were kind of a weird time for japanese actors because we're in the middle of that whole uh japanese xenophobia wave where it's like oh shit the corporates are coming they're gonna buy up all the real estate and stuff it's like also jackie chan was (laughs) jackie chan was capturing america's heart at the time yeah (laughs) it's like we we can only appreciate one one group of asian people at a time (laughs) it's like whoa 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 whoa. you ask too much of us (laughs) Um, but yeah, he's he's fighting Chan in slow motion. Great face acting here. Uh, like I said, the construction of his face and his ability as an actor is is not to be understated. Um, he has some some good like faces when, when he's throwing punches and stuff. And then the choreography gets a little funky though, because like he grabs hold of this kid's wrist, and this kid is like super baby faced. It's like good mm-hmm. casting because he's meant to look kind of pathetic, and he. Spoiler alert, he gets his fucking ass whipped and he dies here. Um, he's, he, Shang Tsung grabs him by the wrist and he just will not let go. And he just keeps he just keeps bitch slapping this kid like back and forth, back and forth. And then did you catch the, the sound effect when he steps on his spine? Yeah, it sounds like he was stepping on chicken bones or something. It sounds like he is stepping on like an iceberg salad mixed with yeah. like <laughs> like celery sticks <laughs> it's it's just this disgusting crunch it, yeah it sounded painful and it starts a precedent with uh, the construction of the martial arts sequences in this movie is that the 
I noticed the sound effects are selling like like a hundred fucking hundred and ten percent. Um, but the actual like movements that the actors are doing are a little tepid. Like mm. the choreography is not terribly complex, but the sound effects are like dialed the fuck up. <laughs> it's like I mean, not to always bring things back to wrestling, but there's this really famous match um, where Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels uh, squared off, and they were feuding backstage as as tends to happen when two big egos are going at it. But um, as a result, Shawn Michaels came out there and like a catty bitch, he came out there and decided to oversell everything. So like every time Hulk Hogan touched him, he'd like do a backflip and like flip and flop on the ground like a fish that just got pulled out from the ocean. <laughs> so like it, it was just a comedic mess where like Hulk Hogan's just trying to touch this guy and he's spazzing the fuck out and like flipping and flopping all over the place and i feel like that kind of sums up the way things work in mortal Kombat, where it's like the the result of the strikes is often over overblown to the point that's like man i hope these stunt guys got paid because they are taking some bumps but the the person delivering the punch that causes them to take that bump it's like maybe could have tried a little harder <laughs> like you maybe could have spent a, like another week in the gym like maybe <laughs> um but yeah uh chan gets his spine stepped on and we get the iconic your brother's soul is mine yeah you will be next most of his line deliveries are current like they kind of make me cringe rewatching it i'm like oh this is this is corny yeah, he has a lot of corny lines in this. A lot of them are direct references to the games. Yeah. Like the flawless victory and fatality and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just appreciate his, his like, commitment to it. It's like he fucking does it. Like, yeah. he, he he read the script. He knows it's dumb. But he's he's going to show up. He's going to try. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. And your brother's soul is mine. And he, like, turns his whole face into a fucking demon. Like he, yeah. he uses every muscle in his face to say these lines. It's great. And then he goes all demon face. And actually, I actually kind of like this effect. It's a little bit of a jump scare, I'd imagine, like if you're in the theater, which unfortunately I think I was too young to go see this in the theater. Um, but basically we get a, a close-up that zooms into his face and then his face just kind of like rots into like a hollow, messy zombie face. And the camera zooms in there. And then bang, we got our... Our hero protagonist, Liu Kang, played by, I don't actually know the pronunciation, if it's Robin Sho or Robin Shu. I like Robin Shu. You like Shu? I like I prefer, Shu. I prefer Sho, but uh, I'm pronouncing that like a Japanese person, like an imperialist. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, you know, I am what I am. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, we get Liu Kang and he pops up in bed and he is in the greenest fucking room ever. Um, and they have this thing going with the lighting where somebody is pouring like a hose over some glass panes and then we're push- we're shooting the light through it. So it's supposed to look like it's raining outside, I guess. But this, this you know, is an example of Paul W.S. Anderson doing his thing where it's like this is a very simple shot of a man waking up in bed and walking over to his dresser. But if you look at like the construction of the set and the way it's lit, he gave a shit. Like he made a thing out of it, and uh, Mister Mister Show is jacked as fuck. <laughs> like like he makes fit. an impress. He makes an impression in his first shot, where all he's asked to do is sit up and get out of bed. It's like you sure you didn't like work out right before you got in bed, or maybe that's why you're waking up. 
because you worked out right before bed or something. <laughs> yeah, he's all sweaty and jacked. Uh, and he walks over to his dresser, and he has a simple telegram that says, Brother dead, return home. And it says it's from Grandpa. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, um, one of the things I think they could have done for Liu Kang, because they kind of hint at it, and I think it's Raiden's, like, whole... Raiden and Katana's whole thing with him is that he's over overly confident. He's kind of like Luke, like wanting to take on Vader. He's just like you haven't, you, you're not, you're not in the right mindset to be taking on um, Shang Tsung. Um, I think they could have taken a little more time, just just like maybe show him like beaten ass at tournaments or like um, like maybe stopping a robbery or something, like showing how like how confident he is in his skills, and then maybe like you got to tone that down, dude. Like you can't can't be coming in like everybody else is uh, weaker than you or not as skilled as you. This guy is just as skilled, if not more skilled, and you're going to have to refocus. And they don't really do that. It's just Raiden telling him, he's like, you're too confident kind of thing. Yeah, it. there's there's a couple of instances of character development that I really wished I could have seen. One is for him. Um, like you said, I, I actually agree. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. Like I like... I like seeing a distinct arc for a character, but more than that, I like having a chance to showcase their capabilities mm-hmm. par- parallel to the threat that they're going to be facing. So it would be cool to see, like, Shang Tsung, I don't know, involved in a scrap or something, and Liu Kang involved mm-hmm. in a scrap or something, and, like, demonstrate that it's like, ah, they're about on the same level. Or or maybe even, like, th- hype up Shang Tsung, where it's like, oh, shit, how is Liu, Liu going to contend with that? And... They they pay lip service to the fact that he ran off to America, mm-hmm. um, and I do think that would be interesting to see. Like maybe maybe he's using his his martial arts talent for profit or something. Mm-hmm. Like some something that like his like the monks at the Temple of Light would utterly just be like, "Come on, man! Like like that goes against everything we believe in." It's like you're exploiting your talent, yeah. which should which should be being applied to saving the fucking world. <laughs> um, but I don't know if that would like clutter the script or something, but I agree. I think that would add a lot to his character because it doesn't really make sense. Like throughout the rest of the film, like Raiden's just like, "You're not ready. You're not ready." Like he's gonna... like, "We're already at the tournament, what? guys. Like... He's the chosen one. He's going to win." But they do have him like through the fights, like kind. Well, one fight he kind of has to use the katana's uh, instructions, but that's it. Yeah, and that was pretty bullshit, if you ask me. <laughs> we'll get to that, but yeah, I, I I agree. Actually, that would have been nice to to have him actually grow, like distinctly, because he he's pretty much told from the beginning, "You're the guy," and then mm-hmm. by the end, sure enough, he's the guy. It would be nice if you had some doubt there, like maybe in a in a much better, more more intricate script, you could have a situation where maybe it starts to seem like. Oh shit! Like maybe Johnny's the better candidate. Mm-hmm. Like Lou, Lou doesn't seem to have the right temperament. He doesn't seem to be doing this for the right reasons. But like Johnny the has middle, something to prove. Well, in the middle of this, well, not in the middle, but like the two third mark of this movie, Johnny actually is developing faster than Lou. Like he, mm-hmm. like Raiden has that moment where he's like, "Oh, he's finally getting it." Um, so maybe it would be interesting to have that where it's like, "Oh shit!" Like. Lou was the front runner, but now he really needs to do. He needs to make a change in order to like get to the next level because he's starting to, he's starting to be left in Johnny's dust or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have more to say about Johnny, but we'll we'll get to him. 
Uh, so yeah, Lou got his telegram, his brother dead. Um, and then we cut to Hong Kong. And we get some goofy production design here where there's a wall of televisions. Um, I guess that's the Shredder's hideout or something, but like Shredder's not there. <laughs> and he, he, ran, he had to go out shopping for knives because he ran out of knives to throw at the TVs. Um, no, this, and then, the, the movie Blade is about to happen. Yeah, uh, just change, change the music. You could easily put in the, the bloodbath music from Blade over the sequence. And Blade's going to come up. Blade's going to come up later. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but yeah, we, we have uh, Sonya and Jax, and for whatever reason, more than likely just because of the uh, the visual appeal of it, uh, they both have clunky looking shotguns with gigantic flashlights attached to them. Giant flashlights. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it, it was just like a production design thing where it's like, it'll look cool. Um, it looks cumbersome, to say the least. Mm. And then they like, they they go through this like, narrow narrow hallway kind of thing but it looks like almost like a bunch a rack of kayaks or canoes or something with a bunch of tvs at the end and then they come out to like a concert and they just start beating ass like they Mm -hmm. start shoulder checking and like like beating beating up strangers in the crowd and like i said the sound effects here sound really painful (laughs) it's like these are just people at a concert like nobody's threatening you or anything you just show up and you start throwing elbows what the fuck (laughs) Um, and then uh, we get another reveal of a character. Uh, this would be Kano, uh, who has been on our show before. Um, this gentleman, uh, Trevor Goddard. I had to look up his name, but uh, he was featured on our Deep Rising episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to it before, maybe check it out. Because yep, yep. funny enough, like that's an, that's actually a little bit of a guilty pleasure movie for me too. Um, but yeah, Trevor you Goddard. Feel guilty about that. Trevor Goddard plays a uh, Kano, uh, who's another major player in the Mortal Kombat franchise, um, and I really liked his reveal here, where it's it's yeah, really, really simple. Good. It's really simple. He's just like looking out in the concert. He's up in like the VIP booth, basically, um, and he turns his head mid conversation, and we see that oh, he has a metal plate on his face and a red eye. It's like, in terms of character at this point in time, that's all that's all Kano was. Mm-hmm. He's just a nasty guy with a metal faceplate. It's like, oh, good job. You know, you 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 stuck with the source material. That makes me happy. And I like him as an actor. I haven't seen him in much, but he's charismatic. He has that unbelievable voice. That it's just like it's like there's one line he has in this movie that yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> it's like where the fuck are you from? <laughs> like he's actually crazy. he's actually from England. Uh, he's not Australian. Um, he does an Australian accent in this and uh, Deep Rising. He's mm-hmm. also, I think the last movie he was in was Pirates of the Caribbean. He's actually passed away now. Um, yeah, he passed away shortly after that first that first Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um, I think he's British in there. He has like one line. Uh, it's very memorable in that first movie. Um, I don't remember him in that. He was the, I think we should choose which one we want to eat. So we're ready when the time comes. But he's doing like real like uh, he's he's real British there. Like I said, he I think he's very charismatic. I mean, fuck, I I think I mentioned this on the Deep Rising episode. He tried to sell me a wet mop, and <laughs> god damn it, I wanted that wet mop. <laughs> he did some some like TV commercial where he plays an Aussie again. I guess that was his thing, mm-hmm. uh, and it was some sort of thing that had like a pouch system for the wet mop, and they had a kangaroo making mud prints on the kitchen floor, and he shows up in his uh 
Steve Irwin shorts. <laughs> but yeah. Wop. <laughs> Wet mop. <laughs> yeah. To ear. <laughs> yeah, Kano turns his head around. We get that reveal of his red eye. Uh, and then we get our we get a name drop. Uh, we get the first mention, I believe, of Shang Tsung, uh, who Kano is in the middle of a conversation with. Um, and we get some decent exposition here. Very, It feels very natural, where the two of them are talking back and forth, and we learn that Kano is working for Shang Tsung, and that the woman that we saw in the crowd, Sonya, who I'm pretty sure... I didn't write this down, but I'm pretty sure Jax and Sonya both say each other's names when they're first put on screen, just yes, so we they know. Do. <laughs> it's, it's like a rule in a video game adaptation where it's like, just, just make sure to say everyone's name the moment they pop up on screen, just so everyone can follow along. <laughs> like, Jax! Sonya! <laughs> like, um, but we learned that Kano has shared history with Sonya. Uh, he killed her partner. And so she has a vendetta against him. She wants to take his ass out. Um, and Shang Tsung is trying to use Kano's relationship with Sonya to bait her into getting on some sort of boat. Um, we don't know any more than that at this point. Um, and then there's a bit of violence on the dance floor. And this 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 was a little goofy. This felt a little political to me um, in the studio sense, like, like a censorship kind of thing. So what we have here is we have two characters storming a concert looking for Kano, and, and they have two very large shotguns. And, you know, this is like a Chekhov's gun type, type of situation. It's like, well, they are going to shoot someone, right? <laughs> and sure enough, they do. Some random guy pops out of a door with an Uzi and starts spraying at them. Apparently, he doesn't hit anyone. Um, but they shoot him in the chest. And we get this moment where Sonya runs up to him and starts asking, where's Kano? And he very conveniently has this, like, metal chest plate. So it's like, oh, he's not dead. He's not dead. Don't worry, he's not dead. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those situations where it's like, I feel like they wanted to have an action scene here, but maybe the censors were getting cold feet. Because remember, we're in the infancy of, of video game adaptations, and video game violence was very much a ripped-from-the-headlines kind of thing topic at the time like mm -hmm. we weren't really comfortable with it just yet i mean doom was about to be blamed for causing some really horrible things to happen in american society um and i, th I don't remember duke when nukem the... was a big deal too yeah duke nukem was kind of controversial i, th I think duke nukem 3d came out in like 96 um so 1995 was th this was kind of like tread carefully situation um but yeah she grabs this guy and she's like where's Kano and uh the actress that that plays Sonya um <laughs> she uh she has a special place in I think most 90s kids hearts um, mm -hmm. this would be was it Billy Madison yes and, Veronica uh, Fallen yes <laughs> <laughs> that is correct <laughs> and uh I think she was in House on Haunted Hill also she was yeah yeah briefly uh, I don't think she lasted to the end of that one, <laughs> but uh, what is her name? I I always forget. Brid Bridget Wilson Sampras. Yeah, I uh, I thought she was okay in this. Um, she's annoying. No, she's not. She's very annoying in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was trying to be nice. I was. I really was, but no, she's maybe the worst part of this whole movie. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's not. It, yeah, she really is because she's. 
She's really annoying, uh, but not, it's not her fault. It's because they've written Johnny Cage's character to be sexually harassing her the whole time. So she's the like, the whole time. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. And it's not her fault. It's just that it's bad that that's what they had to do with her. Like, no, no, no. You're just going to be annoyed by him the whole time. That's all your character is going to be. It's just annoyed by him. And looking for Kano. Where's Kano? If you, if you do a drinking game with this movie and you drink every time she says Kano, you'll die. Like, <laughs> you will go so blind and die. Where's Kano? Give me Kano. I want to see. I'm trying to find Kano. No, Wait, she should have just pulled Johnny aside and said, "No milk will be our milk. No <laughs> milk will ever be our milk." See, she was great in Billy Madison. She uh, was, her, but she was great in that. But I hate to say it, but she has that quality to her where I think she's pretty good at playing prickly. She's yeah. a natural arch in her eyebrows. Like it, it's she not does. hard for her to do. It's just like she just has to be disinterested Kyle, Kyle is doing saying. a face right now that very accurate yeah it looks like someone just farted yeah. and like are you serious <laughs> also I read that she did her own fight she did her own stunts like her own fight choreography <laughs> and it, I, oh, it God, shows Kyle. it shows it's her, it's still funny to me, her warming up before the Kano fight oh is one of the funniest things Kyle, Kyle, I've I've watched Mortal Kombat with a couple of lady friends. Oh man! And I don't think I've ever been more embarrassed watching a movie. It's like so I felt, bad. I felt compelled to leave the room at that scene. That is, we'll get to that, but that yeah. is the worst fucking thing in this yeah. movie. That whole, str- that whole two minute scene is just like, oh my god, get me out of here. That kick to the stomach is brutal. It is one of the, it's one of the most horrific violence to women I've ever seen. In film. <laughs> yeah, that. It ooh, is, it is bad. <laughs> it is well played. No, that whole sequence is a nightmare on yeah. so many levels. Like, like subject matter, filmmaking, mm-hmm. choreography, everything about it is just like, get me the fuck out of here. I think terrible. the best fight is against the first, the first gentleman. The li- I'm, I just call him the lion because he's got he roars. He's, he's, he roars. Yeah, <laughs> he roars. I think I think that's the best fight. I respectfully disagree, but we will. Are you going to say reptile? Uh, yes. Okay. Reptile or scorpion? Probably reptile though. Scorpion's the most fun. I'll give you that. But as far as like just choreography, I feel like the one against the lion's pretty good. Well. I mean, we're, this is me, so yeah. when we get to the fighting, we're going to get to the fighting. So, really? Damn. Yeah. <laughs> really? I, I was not aware of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, so Sonya's like... This is like, easily going to be three and a half hours long. Sorry, folks. <laughs> <laughs> easily. Hold on to your butts. Uh, so we get a worse Kano. Um, unfortunately, I didn't put a counter on my note on my notes here but this is probably it's in the like, billions it's yeah the billions. <laughs> you you will hurt yourself trying to keep count well, you uh, get a nosebleed yeah <laughs> snap to black hang your doors open and this is a lovely shot um so it's the interior of like a warehouse or a hangar oh yeah um and then enter cage um uh, who fun bit of trivia um the johnny cage character was supposed to be van damme Mm-hmm. I mean, it was absolutely supposed to be 100% John Claude Van Damme. That. It would have ruined this movie. It would have, because he would have been promoted to you know hero status, because Van yeah. Damme plays second fiddle to no one unless they're no. also Van Damme. <laughs> because yeah. he's done more than one movie where he plays opposite himself. Um, and Dennis Rodman. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, 
this character Johnny Cage was supposed to be Jean-Claude Van Damme. In fact, the entire Mortal Kombat game was supposed to be a vehicle for Jean-Claude Van Damme, but he there I guess there was a monetary dispute. It kind of, you know, that's comes with the territory with Van Damme in the 90s. No, I um, think it was I think it was because they're like we're going to have Liu Kang be our lead and you're going to be second to him. He's probably like, "No, I'm not I'm not doing that at all." I suspect a lot of it may have been um the fact that it's a fighting game and if someone else has control of your player character there's potential for them to lose mm-hmm. and if you have a big ego that doesn't appeal to you like um i've that's my theory in regards to like the sp- sports video games that come out like uh not so much like football and basketball because those guys have no rights um, but <laughs> but like boxing um where each individual fighter you have to you have to get their blessing you have to license their likeness mm-hmm. and i think it's telling that floyd mayweather has not been in a boxing video game since like 2004 uh because i'm guessing his price tag is too high and if you have an ego like that again you probably don't like the idea of people being able to select you and then lose because why couldn't you i, I, I never did that in real life <laughs> like, why couldn't you get why couldn't they get michael jordan for nba jams uh same like, hang, hang time. i think it's the same deal um, I think it was, didn't like Nike, like somebody else, no, 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 it was another video game, or somebody else owned the rights to his likeness for video games at the time, I mm, think that's what it was. I think you're right, and yeah, he was never in an NBA Jam game. Um, it was so, and, I always played as the Bulls, and I'm like, okay, Ron Harper, Scottie Pippen, like, fuck. Well, the, the, the deal was always that... Um, they gave Jordan stats to Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> Poor, Pippen. <laughs> Poor Pippen. Always playing second fiddle to a fucking ghost. <laughs> um, an asshole, too, apparently. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, that was the deal with Mortal Kombat, was that Giant Cage was supposed to be Van Damme. Uh, they didn't get him, but they made a great game anyway. Well, debatably, good, great game. Uh, became a great game, the franchise later on. But... Yeah, so we're in Los Angeles, and needs to be said, uh, starting from, I believe, Hong Kong onward, we get a lot of on-screen titles for every location change. Classes things up, you know, makes it feel like a bigger movie than it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, how convenient that Los Angeles is represented by a warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> Production mostly, values. <laughs> I think a lot of this was shot in Thailand. Yes, it definitely looks it. Um, but yeah, uh, we get a row of stooges standing in this this airplane hangar they're all dressed in suits um and they all they all bust out like retractable weapons of some sort so we get like a a rod that turns into nunchucks we get like a a a cattle prod that looks exactly like some of the ones that were in jurassic park uh no the lost world uh Mm. dieter uh, shocks the comp comps with the his trademark taser um Mm. and then the guy with the staff looks so fucking uncomfortable like, he just looks uneasy with this implement because he's holding, like, Darth Maul style, but it's a staff. It's like, buddy, you don't you don't need to hold it like it's a fucking bat. Like, like space it out a bit, but he just looks really uncomfortable. Um, and then we get a quote from Johnny Cage, who, by the way, is also dressed in a suit. Let's dance. And then, oof, uh, this fight choreography is not great. Uh, it It's mostly out of the Steven Seagal school of fight choreography, wherein there's a lot of uh, wrist locks, a lot of like simple tosses and trips. Um, there's a sweep in here that is absolutely hideous. Um, basically, it looks like 
it looks like Johnny Cage, who is played by uh, Lyndon Ashby, by the way, um, the man who never was. Um, he, he's charismatic enough that I would have expected him to have more roles, but he... Uh, no, he started Tom Cruise's second career. Like, <laughs> seriously, this is exactly what Tom Cruise became, because before this, it was Steven Seagal, Beefcakes, Van Damme, and that was pretty much it. We didn't have, like, he's like an average Joe-looking guy. Same thing with Tom uh, Tom Cruise, average Joe-looking guy. This is Tom Cruise roles just coming in from Mission Impossible. Like, this is, he is the, uh, he's like the precursor to what became Tom Cruise in the 90s and the aughts. Well, this, is, this is that I, character. I've always said, I think Tom Cruise, um, I think Tom Cruise is a Jackie Chan fan. Because if you look at his career in the past decade or so, he's just doing that. It's like, how do we hype this movie? It's like, well, I'll do some crazy shit. That's it. <laughs> um, I think he surpassed Jackie Chan at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, he has access to the 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 good TRT, the good steroids. <laughs> it's like he has all the stem cells. He is like, a stem cell. Fucking Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan is like fucking has wolverine bones at this point like he's broken <laughs> he has an adamantium skeleton he just has an adamantium skeleton not because he wanted it it's because he needed it uh i i haven't listened to the episode in ages but um I, t- I told you about that chinese zodiac movie uh that oliver platt is like the bad guy in it's a jackie chan movie from 2012 mm. and oliver it's not a good movie but oliver platt has some fun bits in there where he's basically asked to be the ugliest of ugly americans Mm, like nice. ugly ugly poli- politician american and he is so good at that that's like it almost makes the movie but then it gets really uncomfortable here and there but mm. i i think i promised you a super cut of just his scenes at some point so try to remind me i'll see if i can put that together for you <laughs> um but yeah the choreography here is a little raggedy um that's sweet it's I'm supposed sorry. to be no, this it's is not. for kids. This is for kids, Trevor. God damn it! This is for children. <laughs> this is to keep children's focus. That's all it is. This is not for adults. This is for children. This was back in the '90s when we were making adult films for children. Kind of, but I think it speaks more to just the the era where it's mm. like th- our our standards are. We didn't have a palette for this stuff just yet. No. Like Br- Bruce Lee had been dead for twenty years. Um, martial art like Jackie Chan hadn't come to prominence in the West just yet um, so it was just like we had Steven Seagal for flipping people and pushing people into things and Van Damme for aerial kicks actually and, I think this movie might have like eased us into Jackie Chan we may, we may have actually needed some watered down martial arts film to actually like get into Jackie Chan I think a combination of that and uh, Power Rangers probably helped mm, a lot too Power Rangers was huge I think that came out around the, like, maybe even 1995 on the nose. Um, but, yeah, it just needs to be said, like, this is part of the you-had-to-have-been-there quality to this movie, where it's, like, if if you're a martial arts fanatic or, or you, I don't know, have a discerning palette when it comes to martial arts choreography and whatnot, you are going to cringe a few times here and there watching people move. Um, but just, like, fuck it. it it's a movie <laughs> like move on <laughs> like that's not what we're here for like the actors here are actors like they aren't they weren't cast based on their martial arts or fighting ability they were cast because they can deliver lines and have some charisma um but yeah i'm sorry i keep coming back to that sweep because it, it just looks like 
it looks like a mistake. <laughs> it looks like somebody fell down and then stuck their leg out in an awkward angle, and then someone accidentally stepped over them and fell. Um, and then we get a fun bit of comedy, though. Um, I thought it was cute anyway. Where uh, Johnny Cage throws a a spinning kick, uh, which was that was fight choreography in the '90s in America. Anyway, it was just spinning kicks. Just Mel Gibson. That's he actually he tries to teach uh, Danny Glover how to that's do right. the roundhouse kick. You gotta kick. whip the neck. You gotta you whip gotta, the head. <laughs> you gotta whip your head pretty, around. That was a pretty funny scene where he hits the water cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Danny Glover can't he can't get his leg above his hip level. <laughs> he, just, he I mean, I think that was him trying his hardest. I think that was legit. I got to go back. Yeah. I got to go back and watch those first two. Uh, I mean, I would just watch all of them. I don't think mm, there's a I don't think I, there's a rotten one in there. They're they're I'm, all passable. I'm fine without 3 and 4. I mean, that is the cutoff point in terms of like greatness, but I think they're all watchable. Um, there's enough character beats in three and four that's like you know these justify their existence and that's mostly all I can ask for. And four mm-hmm. has that, four has that scrap at the end that is that's awesome, w- way better than it needs to be. It's really <laughs> good. This it's so fucking good. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Johnny Cage kicks this fella in the face like he's the last one standing of these suited goons, and then the guy gives him this like deer in the headlights look, and Johnny Cage like drops his hands and says this is where you fall down and it's a, it's fun because it it clues us in that oh this is a movie he's shooting a movie and the guy forgot the choreography and then he flops afterwards like as if that's gonna fix things i mean actually in editing you probably could fix that easily just, yeah yeah you just you just push in and just you know it would be an awkward jump cut but you could definitely salvage that yeah but um, I mean, i'm guessing even with the, with stuntman and the actor it's like you got to learn your lines dude you got to learn you got to learn when to fall so yeah no i mean that would be disheartening as fuck where you deliver Ooh. the most beautiful kick you've ever done in your life and some guys like Duh. <laughs> <laughs> um actually i think the uh i think the uh, insider terminology is egg on the face where it's basically where you're, where you're caught looking like a dope like not reacting when you should be reacting so like you know the Jackie Chan school of stuntman acting where you do like the putty patrol jazz hands in the background while you're waiting your turn to get hit yeah it's like if you forget to do that and it's like oh that guy's got egg on his face he's not I, doing nothing I always <laughs> like, wondered watching Jackie Chan movies I'm like he's fighting six guys I'm like why doesn't one of them just like come up and bite his leg or something? Like, why, why is everybody waiting? Just, just, just rush him. Like, have you ever watched football, American football? I mean, ha- do you have do you have not a single friend that you've ever whispered to? You go high, I'll go low. <laughs> Safety blitzes ass. Like he will go down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's Jackie Chan rules, man. It's it. My theory is that all of Jackie Chan's movies take place in a separate, like, alternate reality where, for whatever reason, there are just ladders and chairs stacked up everywhere. And, yeah, there's, there's like, an unwritten rule in combat where it's like, no, one at a time. <laughs> I, worked, I worked at a restaurant in downtown Seattle, oh, a bar slash restaurant in downtown Seattle. And we had a, there's a huge homeless problem in Seattle, um, as you know. But it's, it's really uh, it's really bad, like right where the restaurant was. And we'd always have homeless people coming in, like always wanting something. We had one dude come in and start singing in the restaurant, like all kinds of stuff. But my boss, he's a pretty big dude. He's like, all right, 
this guy keeps pacing back and forth. He wants to come in. If he comes in, we're going to safety blitz his ass. <laughs> and I couldn't stop laughing because I knew exactly what he meant. Just like everybody just run like from all over the restaurant. Just get him out of the restaurant. So, that was That's fucking great. funny. Um, but yeah, we, we get this nice shot here where the camera pulls way the fuck back. And we it's revealed that, oh, there's a whole production crew just on the other side of the camera. That's a nice reveal. Um, we see a prop here that shows a fake tabloid basically showing like is johnny cage a fake so Mm -hmm. right off the bat it's visually communicated to us in fact johnny cage even says like explicitly and the press says i don't know how to do this stuff so like immediately from like the first minute we we meet this guy we learn what he's about he he people think he's a phony and he has to prove them wrong um there's also a fun bit of like a visual gag here where the director is absolutely supposed to be like a Spielberg lookalike. He looks exactly like Steven Spielberg. He looks yeah. exactly like him. He doesn't sound anything like him at all. No. But he looks so much like him. It's actually kind of impressive. Um, but yeah, uh, Johnny Cage is ushered uh, to a guest that he apparently has on the set. It's a gentleman named you Master. Let a gu- <laughs> you let a guy on set and you don't know who he is? <laughs> I can find out. <laughs> <laughs> that was grossly unprofessional. <laughs> yeah. You have one job. <laughs> you know shit. Um, but th- this guy who visits him on the set is a Master Boyd. Um, I don't actually know this actor's name, but he has a. I, I've seen him in many other movies. He's very recognizable for me anyway. Um, I think this was just like when he was one of those character actors, like a Sven Oli Thorson. It's just like, oh, he's in everything. <laughs> he's in everything saying nothing yes <laughs> absolutely um by the way i started watching that in search of the last action heroes documentary and i popped because sven Oli thorson is in the opening montage and i was like nice doing it right if you're so doing I mean, a movie if you're doing a documentary about action movies he's gotta be in it <laughs> that means you haven't started the mandalorian i'm sorry kyle you disappoint me so. <laughs> you disappoint me, Katana. <laughs> uh, so, Master Boyd uh, reiterates everything we already knew. That's like, oh, everybody thinks you're a phony, Johnny, and you got a problem with that. So you should go to this tournament at Pier Forty in Hong Kong. You'll comes, definitely be able to prove your skills there. He's like once a generation, like so once every fucking sixty years. Like that's not a yeah. big a deal. I like right. the I like the prop, the invitation. It's like mm-hmm. a, a wooden box, an aged wooden box with a scroll. Hell, the fuck no! Am I not doing that? Are you kidding me? One of the first things when we were in Thailand uh, in the military, they're like, "Okay, here's the do and don'ts. Don't, don't 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 do this. Don't do this. Do not get yourself into a Thai kickboxing tournament because apparently <laughs> that was a problem <laughs> with some people going over there. They're like." You don't know the rules, they will be betting on you, and you might die. So, do not fuck with that stuff. I'm absolutely <laughs> not going to a tournament where this, this scroll, this thing, is the invitation. Uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Little did he know, Master Boyd had a serious Yaba problem, and he was just sending him down there to pick him up some Yaba. If you um, are in a if you are in a sports tournament and there are Asian men with sunglasses inside smoking, this is not, this is not <laughs> a licensed event. This is underground. Turn the ship around. <laughs> Iceberg right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get a really cool special effect that um, I think even in 1995 was kind of a 
kind of a treat, kind of a big deal. It's a, mor a morphing effect. Uh, where Master Boyd is just walking and the camera tracks him, so it does a slight pan uh, and mid mid walk. And by the way, he like straightens yeah, up. Yeah, I was gonna say his posture. He, he, <laughs> yeah, his posture. Because, because, because Shang Tsung has a very like barrel chest kind of posture where his like his back is very straight. His his neck is back. He almost looks like a statue, like just walking. Yeah, it was a nice touch. And, yeah, uh, so he straightens up when he gets to the center of the frame, and then he morphs on screen into Shang Tsung, uh, which demonstrates, oh, Shang Tsung is a shapeshifter. So that's visual information communicated to us very effectively. And it's it's a good effect. Like, it's not embarrassing at all. It looks great. Um, then we cut to the Temple of Light in China, which is absolutely not China. I'm pretty sure this is Cambodia doubling for China or yeah, Thailand. Yeah, Cambodia or Thailand. I mean, the, the when they get to the tournament, like, that's Thailand. Like, it's 100% oh, Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, I mean that beach that they land yeah. on. It's, I've seen it in a lot of movies, dude. It's been in a lot of movies. In fact, I think it's one of those places that's been ruined by the Instagrammers. Probably. Like, I think there. I, when I was doing research about the beach, I discovered that that like that beach, the iconic beach from the movie, uh, has been just swarmed by Instagrammers or something. It's a, it's a wreck now where people are like leaving garbage there. They're the fucking worst. Yeah. Yeah, uh, those uh, flower fields and stuff, and I think parts of California are a mess. People, it's like you're not supposed to walk into it. No, no. Uh, oh, you're doing it. It's you like, got oh, to get a, you got to get a good picture for the gram. Pretty much. <laughs> the worst. Um, but yeah, uh, Liu Kang arrives via boat, like river boat, at the Temple of Light, and we get a really cool shot of him walking up into the temple. The camera kind of tracks him, and we get this grand reveal of an of a actual temple. Like an actual ruin that looks beautiful. Um, I know people who have been to these. Are, it's pretty spectacular. Um, and the music is pounding at this point for whatever the fuck reason. It does flow with the edits, but it's like energy's way the fuck up. Uh, and he meets Grandpa here, and they visit the site where Chan was killed. Uh, in fact, it's like basically the same camera angle and everything. So they probably just said, okay, next shift. Like, <laughs> like swap out the actors, shoot it on the same day. Um, and then Grandpa tells us that, like, he he tells us, the viewer, more so than Liu Kang, that uh, Liu left for America, and Chan stood in for him, basically. He took up the mantle. He's like, oh, you were the chosen one, but you left, so your little brother decided to, you know, hit the training real hard and do what you apparently didn't want to do, and now he's dead. Uh, how you feeling about that, Liu? <laughs> and then there's a gong. Now we follow a bunch of kids deeper into the temple and there's a bunch of rows of monks that look like they're having some sort of argument with each other i don't know what the fuck about but i don't think i just say i don't think Liu king is supposed to be there that's I what that's I a got. big thing yeah everybody seems to be like eh, he left like why is he back yeah um but grandpa says like hey you know that dream he just had is a sign like he just had th the dream as he calls it and uh the in the background it, it's kind of weird that it's in the background but like one of the monks tells Lou that's like oh you're you're fighting for the wrong reason like you'll you'll fail because you're fighting for revenge mm -hmm. it's like hmm and this this begins a a cycle of somebody usually Raiden telling Lou that every five minutes <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> um and speaking of Raiden enter Raiden uh, he makes his first appearance in the film played by one Christopher Lambert <laughs> uh how how do you feel about Christopher Lambert as an actor, Kyle? Um, I've only seen him in this and uh, the first 
five minutes of Highlander, then the subsequent <laughs> first 30 minutes of Highlander, and that's as far as I've gotten in that movie, because my God, uh, I don't understand how... I don't understand that movie at all. Uh, I, it makes I no keep telling sense. you, I I actually wanted to put it on the list for this month Oof. as a guilty pleasure, but uh, you seem okay. to be very strongly against it. <laughs> I just, I it's not even like a bad that I can get into because it's I'm like I don't understand what's happening. Like uh, the fucking bad guy from Shawshank Redemption is in here, and then we're in, he's Scottish now, and then we're in modern day. I'm like I don't get it. Just. It was hard for me to follow. I just didn't understand what was happening. I think um, you need to give it another chance because I don't remember it being that confusing. It was confusing. Um, <laughs> uh, you've probably seen it several times. I've tried watching it two times. Well, I mean, I, when I first saw it, I was very young, and it's just like, swords, Sean mm-hmm. Connery, that's all I need. <laughs> um, I've only seen him in this, and then uh, he has a, a fun little part in uh, Hail Caesar, the uh, oh, yeah, Ford Brothers. Oh, yeah, right. I haven't I seen that, but you keep telling me he's good in it. Yeah, he's got a, it's a small part, but it's funny. Uh, you have to pay attention to what they say about his character, because when his scene comes up, it's like, oh, that's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoy that movie. Um, one of the Coen Brothers' better um, like hits that just kind of went under the radar. It's Big like time. it was good, good, but like nobody watched it. Nobody talks um, about it for the most nobody. part. Nobody. Um, but yeah, I like him in this. He has a very uh, he's a an odd facial structure to say the least he's just an odd person i think he's got an odd voice uh he's like swedish american or something like that i think he's like i think he's french like french belgian or something it's something odd but he also has like some an american or canadian background in him too so his his accent is so muddled like I've heard him speak other languages too, and he just sounds wrong in any language. (laughs) But I think that might be like the trick to him as an actor is that sometimes that's all you need is to be compelling. Like you Mm -hmm. don't need to be talented or or even charismatic. It's just like if there's something weird about you, like if your line delivery is distinct, that's something. Mm -hmm. Like like just having that is enough. And I thought he was a good choice for this because he's supposed to be otherworldly. He's supposed to be a deity. He's the god of thunder and lightning and stuff. And, like, just his natural accent coupled with some voice modulation and some costuming and a wig, it goes a long way. Mm -hmm. And his career never really exploded or anything. Highlander was a big fucking deal, I think, more on TV than in the theaters. Because Highlander 2 fell real hard, like, real fucking hard. (laughs) That is is a garbage fucking sequel that is actually kind of amazing because of it. that's actually a guilty pleasure movie for me too. Like Highlander as like a franchise is a guilty pleasure for me because I actually really enjoy it, but I know it's like objectively just terrible. Everything mm-hmm. about it's terrible except for the Queen music. <laughs> but but um yeah, uh, Raiden shows up and he confronts Liu Kang and he's basically questioning him like qu- you, questioning his commitment kind of. You you skipped over one one part that I had a problem with is like he like makes kind of an entrance. He's got his hat down, and all the monks start like bowing to him, and then he's like saying stuff with this voice, and then he lifts up his head. And That's his... why you left the temple, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> and then his grandpa's like Lord Raiden, and goes down. I'm like you didn't know that was him. You, you you didn't piece that together. He wears the same thing throughout the movie. I think you know who it was I'm by the voice. I'm dressed like a homeless person. <laughs> this is what God dresses like. 
if the grandpa's of light. Grandpa's <laughs> only got a few marbles left, man. Because, uh, <laughs> like, geez, you didn't piece that together soon enough. I did like that. Lou like tries to hoist him up. He's like, Grandpa, no, he, he's 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 a beggar. Like, <laughs> like don't it's don't go down. White. It's just a weird looking white guy. It's not. Yeah, a it's just a weird white guy. You don't need to placate him. <laughs> it's like don't <laughs> encourage him. <laughs> but. Yeah, the, Grandpa does have a funny line here, though, where it's like, American life has enfeebled his mind. Too much, Too much television. television. Yeah. <laughs> it's cute, you know. It's, I mean, it's sold mostly by the fact that the actor has a very warm delivery, and they're all dressed in, like, Tibetan monk garb, basically. So mm-hmm. it's cute. But um, Raiden challenges Lou, and he's like, show me how. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> um, and then we get a really clumsy flip here where basically christopher lambert it needs to be said like if you take a glance at his wikipedia you will come to realize he is blind (laughs) he is legally blind and somehow he did an entire franchise of movies wherein he's wielding a sword i would not feel safe around him in fact i think michael ironside got injured very badly on the set of highlander 2 because he was sword fighting a blind man (laughs) But anyway, uh, he is blind, so he is not about to do any seriously complex martial arts choreography. So what they have him do is a trademark Steven Seagal wrist toss, <laughs> where Lou just clumsily runs at him, and then we get like a imagine like a Star Wars just like X-wing going whoosh sound effect. <laughs> just like it's not quite Tie Fighter like, <laughs> but, but the sound of Lou getting like very lightly flipped on his butt on the ground it's just like whoosh and it's shot from like three different angles it's like edited in such a way that's like okay guys nothing really happened there but we're trying to make something of it um and then we get the first instance of eye lightning um this is like a thing that raiden does every once in a while to intimidate people or make himself feel good um and lou storms off long story short he's He's, he got flicked in the nuts, and he's not feeling good about himself. But he wants revenge, so he's he's dead set on challenging Sang, Chang Sung, even though every, everybody seems to believe he's not ready for it. Uh, in fact, that's exactly what Grandpa and Raiden say to each other when he leaves. And then we go to Pier 40, uh, the location that Master Boyd had told Giant Cage about. Um, he shows up with a bunch of bags and shit. Uh, this is a kind of a cool location. It reminded me of uh, the relic and um, what was the oh uh, uh, Temple of Doom actually. Um, remember the pier where uh, where they meet Dan Aykroyd <laughs> and Indiana Jones and Short Round and and Willie. They all take off on the cargo plane or whatever. No, I don't it's remember just, that. It's just a Chinese pier. It's right after the opening of Indiana Jones mm. and the Temple of Doom where they meet Dan Aykroyd and they get on a plane. <laughs> it's just a Chinese pier. Um, and Johnny encounters a guy named Art, uh, who is not a character from the games. Um, but basically, he's apparently a, a fellow legit martial artist, and they have a friendly exchange here. This was really sloppy because this is like a dead meat alert. Where it's mm. like, okay, so he's friendly with a guy who's also going to the tournament, who is not from the games <laughs> that man is dead oh yeah and he's he, black <laughs> in a 90s movie he yeah. is so dead he's like what's that sound <laughs> like, why is it getting louder <laughs> <laughs> and the director's just like 
Paul W.S. Anderson is just flipping through the script. He's just laughing to himself. He's like, ah, I can't wait to kill him. <laughs> um, but then we get a fun gag where uh, Johnny thinks Liu Kang is the help. Uh, and so he like gives him, he slips him a couple bucks and he's like, hey, can you carry my bags? And he throws them in the water. And it needs to be said, I think Robin Show actually has some, char- some charisma as an actor. Mm-hmm. I was actually very sad to see him not really amount to much because um, he seemed primed for something like i mean he got like beverly hills ninja <laughs> and that was kind of it and it was the I haircut s- <laughs> i mean that hair is fabulous it's um, it's 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 not even of its time it's its own thing like it's its own it's he has his own hairdo basically i mean he early in his career he was kind of like jumping back and forth between china and and the u.s and i feel like maybe he became like a white snake fan or something somewhere in between he's <laughs> like i should do that in the 90s like in the mid 90s but no his hair is fantastic uh he's like we said he's pretty fucking jacked like and i sent you a clip a while back of him in a tiger cage 2 he played the the villain in a fucking donnie yen movie in, mm. in in a hong kong action movie he was able to keep up with the choreography just fine uh he looks enormous opposite donnie yen which is really funny because uh, he doesn't look that big in this one but point is like he has he has talent and and i think he has charisma but he he just never took off although i was very happy to see um paul ws anderson like tossed him a bone um in a death race have you seen that by the way no it's just a remake of a really shitty was it is it david carradine or john carradine i don't know <laughs> i think it's I david i'm not sure who either one of them are uh it's the one from kill bill bill from kill bill oh okay um it's I him say and david i want to say david carradine i think it's david uh it's him and sylvester stallone in a in like a i think it was a roger corman movie but paul ws anderson remade it and uh, it's just a, it's like Twisted Metal, the movie. <laughs> so it's like oh. car combat movie with Jason Statham. Um, but Robin Show has like a very small role in it. And it's like, oh, hey, they've worked together before. That's nice. They, he gave him a job. Um, but yeah, anyway, he throws Johnny's bags in the water. We get some comedy here. And we see that Sonya and Jax are observing. And then we get some real ugly CGI. <laughs> um, a dragon boat pulls up, complete with a... Uh, a gigantic fog machine and really 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 raggedy cgi sails uh, this does not look good no matter how you cut it no. um actually as soon as the sh- as soon as the ship pulls into the pier i was like oh my god this reminds me of kyle's three musketeers <laughs> like that is like <laughs> it really the set kind of reminded me of that in some ways um but during this uh sonia sees kano getting on board the ship um there's a couple of lines of dialogue thrown out there making it known that Kano is aware he's he's playing his part. He he's baiting Sonya. And Jax gives like the most impotent display of like trying to do his job here. Where like Sonya runs off to the boat and he just says her name a couple times. Yeah. And doesn't even attempt to get up or stop her. He's just like, Sonya! So hey, hey Sonya! Okay, whatever. <laughs> like, he I doesn't do like even how, attempt. I do like how Kano is hiding. I always liked this as a kid because she's like looking over there and he's like just standing in a dark room and it just kind of like the light just kind of shines on him. I'm like, ooh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, they make very good use of his glowing eye. 
where it mm-hmm. just like appears in the darkness and the the light there's a spotlight that's rotating in the background of this of this location that they they make very good use of the lighting in this movie is very good for the most part mm-hmm. um they definitely put a lot of love and care into it and i think that was also a trailer shot just his head like tilted back most likely i mean i found him menacing as a kid like he was a he was just like a creepy character uh to me and I, I wanted to mention something at the top when you were talking about like the bad like the bad slow motion fighting of uh of uh, chan and uh shang sung i think it, it it's not very good but i think the weight of the scene as a kid was powerful to me like because it was uh, like a grown man basically beating a well to me it was a, another grown man but basically beating a kid to death and i'm like damn that's kind of heavy like it it always kind of sunk in as kind of heavy to me especially with the the tibetan monk um uh throat singing yeah um, the the throat singing combined with him looking directly in the camera and saying like, yeah like it it does hit you on some level yeah as a kid not not as an adult <laughs> yeah well this whole movie is hokey like yeah. like like i think that's the best word to describe the whole thing is hokey like it's a it's a shitty neighborhood haunted house <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like you you applaud the effort but at the end of the day it's not actually good it's just so, you know. we don't make we don't make movies for, i don't i call them nightmare movies where the subject matter isn't over the head of the child it's not too much for the child but it will give them nightmares and this is one of those movies where it's like it's not for it's not really for teens it's for kids and there's no blood i think there's like i think when shang Tsung gets hit in the lip that's the only blood that's we see that's about it yeah um you don't see anybody like really die you see their souls being sucked out of them which is not a real thing you don't see anybody's neck get broken you hear it but you don't see it but the images like Goro and uh, I would say even like um, the hell part, like the scorpion fight scene, like that would give you nightmares. We got to get back to that. We're like making the make it not too complicated for kids, but just enough that it's gonna haunt their dreams a little bit for uh, like a couple of days. I think most people agree with you. Like I think that's why things like Stranger Things like really take the fuck off. It's because people are nostalgic for that. Like not just nostalgia in general, but like that tone. It's like, um, what is it? The uh, it's the Return to Oz movie is is infamous for being like a child a children's movie that is absolutely terrifying, mm. and like the Dark Crystal has a similar reputation where it's like this is pretty creepy, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. There's there's a host of others that really toe that line perfectly where it's like this is designed for children, but it's also meant to challenge them. I think the scary scary stories to tell in the dark with Guillermo producing it. I think that's one of those movies. I mean, it was apparently an attempt at at touching that tone. I don't know how successful it was, but I would watch. I would give it a shot at some. Point. I want to. I want to watch it. I might actually watch it tonight. I might give it a try. Yeah, you keep that in mind. I'll try to remind you. Hmm. Um, but yeah, we get on the boat. Uh, the fog machines are everywhere, and this set feels very cramped, <laughs> like real cramped. Like mm-hmm. this is like when the boat pulls up, it looks gigantic, but when we're on the deck, it looks real tiny. It's uh, tiny. Yeah, and uh, we get an exchange between Sonia and Johnny. Uh, this begins the first of many, wherein, like you said, he <laughs> just sexually makes, harassing her. Yeah, he just he just harasses her consistently throughout the entire movie, and. Uh, Funny enough, her response, where's Kano? <laughs> she completely dismisses uh, his inappropriate behavior with, where's Kano? Um, and then Sonya heads below decks, and we get a fun little exchange here. Yeah, uh, so Shang Tsung greets her, and uh, 
this is this begins a trend of me noticing when when he got his hair done um because <laughs> i noticed both he and lu so both uh kerry hiroyuki tagawa and robin show um depending on the the day of the shoot or whatever uh, their hair changes from like shot to shot <laughs> so like sometimes shang sung has this like this like feminine bob then sometimes it's like completely slicked back behind his ears sometimes it's a pony ponytail here he has the feminine bob um but then from shot to shot later on in the movie it just kind of like flips and flops all over the place and then there's like one scene in particular where it's like oh no they it didn't like, have time they didn't have time to make up lou like he just <laughs> he just looks like shit <laughs> sometimes shang sung looks like wendy cruson in the santa claus where she's <laughs> got the short hair and bangs that's a, yeah i mean honestly like it, it's it's a very like effeminate cut and then next, from next shot to, to shot though it's gone Next to the the lady from Alien Covenant, I think that's one of the worst haircuts. Like it's supposed to be a legitimate haircut in cinema history. It's Wendy Crewson in the Santa Claus. That is just so bad. I mean, I think uh, Nancy Allen in RoboCop might have one of the worst ones. I can't even remember. Is that the curly haired lady that gets shot? Lewis okay. and Lewis. Uh, she gets shot in the third one. But... She got like a mo. Is it like a mohawk mo- curly no, mullet? It's, it's just a let's keep cutting until it looks bad. <laughs> like it's it's not a hairstyle. In fact, like I think behind the scenes, I saw an interview with her where she said that was done on purpose because uh, the director and the producers were concerned that people were going to make romantic connections between her and RoboCop, mm. and they absolutely wanted to prevent that. So it's like let's just make her as asexual as possible let's let's make sure that she's she's a cop first and foremost let's make sure they're not too tender with each other and oh yeah let's make her have the worst fucking haircut in cinema history (laughs) and i don't know how you feel about the bridget fonda single white female hair like Mm, what are your thoughts on that i haven't seen it i don't know what it looks like okay because that's a controversial one (laughs) like it works for me but it's mostly because it's her oh yeah it it is definitely of its time though um, but yeah, Shang Tsung talks to Sonya for a bit, um, and we get a first instance of her uh, saying her other trademark phrase, when I want backup, I'll radio for it. That's that's the entirety of her character. Where is Kano? And I'm a strong, independent woman. That's, that's it. Um, and then enter Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, these two, if, if ever there was something you needed to get right in this movie, it was these two. Because they to this did. To, yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly, except for maybe Sub Zero. Um, mm, he gets yeah, a little bit. Of the, he gets a little bit of the shaft. Um, but there's a creepy. A, there's a creepiness to Scorpion. Oh no! He, I thought Scorpion, except for the spear, is done perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like managing your 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 IP, so like the these two are the franchise for the most part. Yes. Like like to this day, Scorpion and Sub Zero are Mortal Kombat. Like Liu Kang is no one's favorite character for the most part. It's also, usually... if you if you play Mortal Kombat X, Scorpion is the MVP of Mortal Kombat X. If you if you play with Scorpion, you are a pussy. Okay, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Uh, I was beating ass with Aramek, and I was beating ass with Liu Kang. Liu Kang is a fucking badass in Mortal Kombat X. If you know his combos, you can fuck people up with him. Just striking, it's fucking fantastic. Everybody wants to do Scorpion because he just does the fucking chain. I'm like you're weak. You're a weak person. The chain and the teleport. Yeah, um, well, it's Aramac. See, I can wa- I can rock the teleporting with Aramac. I don't need I don't need the chain, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, 
I don't know what Scorpion's like in MK11, but I I I do know that like in terms of like character rankings, Scorpion's usually usually a competitor. Like he's mm-hmm. never been a bad character in any game he's ever been featured in. Uh, Ed Boon, like the creative lead on like the whole franchise from beginning to end, even today. Um, I think he does the voice of Scorpion. Yeah, Ed Boon has made no bones about the fact that Scorpion is like his his favorite son. So it's it's almost like a joke in the fighting game community. That's like, yeah, if Scorpion's in the game, he's gonna be good. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but yeah, these two, like as a kid, no matter like no matter who you are, when when these two enter the movie, it's like okay, we got to get this right. <laughs> and thankfully they did. Uh, so Scorpion and Sub Zero walk in. They have pretty badass intro music. I really like this tune. Um, they come in in slow motion. They walk down a staircase side by side. Um, Shang Tsung hypes them up a bit. And like, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a fucking video game movie. <laughs> it's corny as shit, but I love it. <laughs> um, and then we get a good demonstration of their abilities. Um, that's another good instance of filmmaking where it's like, okay, here are these co- two cool character designs. Now here's an example of what makes them cool. Uh, so Sub-Zero demonstrates his freezing powers by freezing Sonya's handgun. Um, and Scorpion teases his CGI spear, which in the game is just like a spectral spear that flings in on a rope from off screen. Um, but in this movie, for whatever the fuck reason, maybe because of Jurassic Park, uh, they made it into like a reptilian like lizard beak that comes mm-hmm. out of his palm. And I think it's not good. Um, I really wish it could have just been a spear, but again, it's a PG-13 movie, uh, it's not, and it's not a terribly violent one. We don't need kids making fucking uh, scorpion us. <laughs> like, we don't need them putting knives on the ends of strings and trying to shoot them out of their hands, because that's exactly what I would have done as a kid. I'm oh, thinking absolutely. back now, I'm 100% would have done that. So no. that was good on them for picking the little beak. <laughs> no, I mean, again, the, the, the climate of the time... Uh, Ninja Turtles. There's a reason why Michelangelo had his his nunchucks swapped out for a grappling mm-hmm. hook because kids were fucking knocking out teeth with those things. Yeah, and there's a reason why Power Rangers, I think, may even still be banned in New Zealand to this day because yeah, they're pretty stringent about stuff like that. Losers. Um, but yeah, in the in the 90s, there was a thing about like, oh, Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles are making kids beat each other up. It's like. Mm. So yeah, we're 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 like staying faithful to the source material, but we're deviating from it probably for political reasons. Um, and then uh, Raiden shows up and flings everyone around with some uh, juicy special effects. Uh, it looks kind of raggedy, but point is, uh, we need more exposition. So goddamn it, we need to save the fighting for later. <laughs> and then the greater plot is teased out here. Um, we get some lip service paid to the Emperor, aka Shao Kahn who does in fact make an appearance very late in this movie. Uh, One would even say the end of this movie. Um, As well as the rules of the tournament. Really all you need to know is that it's Mortal Kombat. (laughs) It's it's one-on-one fighting. And uh, Raiden's not a participant. He's only like a mentor or a guide to the people of Earthrealm, as they're called. Spectator. Yeah. (laughs) Um, oh yeah, and Raiden doesn't use ladders. Instead, he uses special effects to turn into fucking lightning clouds and yeah. swoop. <laughs> Christopher Lambert, like his blindness led to him being unable to climb the ladder. So they're like, okay, 
Actually, that would be really funny. Like in an Austin Powers movie or something, like some flashy deity arrives with a mess of special effects. So it's like, oh shit, he's out of budget. So it's like, and then just like very slowly climbs up a ladder like, to leave. I think we're done with Mike Myers as a culture, so let's not have that happen. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Although, I don't know, man. The 90s are coming back hard. Real yeah, hard. They, they might do another Austin Powers. Honest to God, I would not be surprised if they do another Austin Powers movie. I wouldn't be either. Um, like I said, like when we did the catching up on Blu-ray just the other day, uh, Clueless is getting a re-release on Blu-ray. It's like That's like solidly in the mid-90s. And we're going for those nostalgia dollars, so we're on the we're on that that portion of the curve. Um, but yeah, we go back on the deck of the ship, and uh, Johnny does the Marvel thing of saying everything the audience is thinking um, mm-hmm. to comedic effect. Um, I've been I've been noticing that a lot in like the Marvel movies in recent days, where they do that, where they just let the actors riff a bit and just like make light of the situation by pointing out the ridiculousness of it. Because both like, movies are for kids. children. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and this is where it becomes very clear that all three of our major characters. Um, I do think it's funny that Sonya is classified as a major player in this story, but she's really not. <laughs> she's just in the shot a lot. She, like she's mm-hmm. just there a lot. <laughs> but Johnny's ego is a problem. Sonya's. Uh, Sonya and Lou actually have the same problem, but they 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 parse it out in the language in such a way where it's like. Oh no, those are totally different. It's like no, they they have the same problem. They both want revenge. It's like no, okay, so, no, no, it's different. <laughs> so Liu Kang didn't believe in any of this stuff, and then he saw Raiden's lightning eyes, and then he didn't say. He's just like, okay, it's fine. It's all real. So mm-hmm. this is all like, eh, yeah, it's fine. It's a dude that freezes stuff. Yeah, it's a big tournament. We got to fight. Uh, no big deal. She's like, there's a logical reason. Like, there's a logical uh, reason for this, Scully. Uh, and fucking Johnny Cage is like, what the fuck is happening? It's aliens, man. It's it's a classic Mulder and Scully duo, and then the fucking guy that believes everything. So yeah, uh, it it's a nice dynamic, um, and and it it eases us into the exposition, makes it feel less foreign because we have a bunch of people that are receptive to it, like right there in it with us. Um, some important information gets revealed to us like the stakes are set here like you said this <laughs> the stakes is a, are high dude this, this is an exposition <laughs> dump um it, this, yeah it's just nothing but raiden talking at these people telling them what's up um yeah and basically the agreement is uh the emperor of outworld who is apparently shang Tsung's boss uh has to win 10 straight mortal Kombat tournaments um and they've already won nine yeah. <laughs> and if they win that 10th one then they get to invade earth um, because of some like doesn't ass- matter. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter. Point it is, doesn't matter. Point is, don't lose. <laughs> These are the rules. Don't ask questions. Go. Yeah, and then uh, we get, I think the first instance of Raiden's uh, ha ha ha. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> one thing that made me cringe super bad is where like he's going through all this stuff and he's like, look, it has begun, and uh, he looks over and there's like. Uh, Jafar is basically doing stuff after he's made his wish to be a genie. He's like making all these weird like things in the sky, and uh, Shang Tsung has just been like sitting, like standing over in the corner the whole yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, he's on the deck with them. He's on the deck. He's like right there. Like we yeah. said, it's the size of a prison cell. This deck, like it's it's not very big. So he's like, it has begun. The faces he's making, my God. 
Like he had to have just been thinking about one million dollars to play <laughs> this because <laughs> it's the funniest faces I've ever seen. I couldn't like look. I, I almost couldn't look at. It. I'm like, I, like, oh, I can't look directly at it. It's so, oh, so bad. Well, what's especially awkward about this is we have the dueling. It has begun. The it has begun, yeah. and the it has begun. And so I guess the tournament's on at that point. Well, but that's what's weird is like both say that phrase, and I don't know what has begun. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't know what's happening. But the, there's one thing I need to point out about this this ship set is, I. Uh, Another problem with having an HD Blu-ray to watch the movie is you get to see all the little the, the little problems <laughs> like on a visual level. Uh, oh, I think I'm gonna the, buy this. On, I'm gonna buy this on VHS. I bought a VHS <laughs> player and I have the original Star Wars, uh, like the the 90, 1995 VHS. Like that's the way it's supposed to be watched. I think I'm gonna buy Mortal Kombat as well. I don't think you're I supposed think to be watching would, this on. I think it would benefit from it because yeah. there are a lot of small details that otherwise wouldn't be visible that really hurt it. Because um, here, the stars, the starry night in the background is very clearly just a black sheet with holes poked in it yeah. with a light shining through, and you can like see the folds in the fabric. It's bad. I was like, you couldn't, you couldn't hawk for a fucking wind machine because they are standing on a boat. There's no wind whatsoever. Dude, they they rented that fog machine and it broke the bank. It was like. Fuck. They're not even rocking. <laughs> it, they might as well be doing a stage play of a, of somebody on a boat. Like, a stage play would like. have the winds. Yeah. No, there's you get no sensation of movement during this entire boat sequence. Um, mm. It's cheap looking. Um, it looks on levels with it looks on level with like an episode of Power Rangers or one of mm. the Power Ranger movies. Probably the second the f- one. The, the, <laughs> I was gonna say the first half of a Power Rangers episode or the Power Rangers movie, not the second half. Yeah. Of a, of a Power <laughs> oh, yeah, it episode. has begun. Yeah, we finally get to the island where the tournament is to be staged. Uh, there's some really. This is where the the matte paintings start showing up, mm-hmm. and there are, there are some gorgeous matte shots of of the island. And there's a recurring motif in the background of a lot of shots from this point in the movie onward of uh, giant like warrior statues posted up here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very clearly just matted in, but they're all lovingly detailed. They look great on VHS. Again, they would look even better. Um, and there's a lot of ambitious camera shots here where, like, the camera, like, tilts downward, like, looking up and then down. And it's like, wow, you really made the most of that location where it's like you took an ordinary beach and you added a fucking mountain layer to it. Mm-hmm. And, like, a stairway up to the heavens and stuff. It's like, wow, that looks very faithful to the games and it looks nice and it it's just good. And as a kid, like, I know how you... I think we do as adults, like, we'll put on something we've seen a hundred times, and we'll just pay attention to the bits that we want to see. That's how it was with this movie, that I'd just seen it so many times and only pay attention to the parts I wanted to see. I never noticed the stairs until I rewatched it last night, going up to where they have to go. I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice there were stairs. Jeez. I mean, I see Johnny Cage walking on the stairs later, but I didn't see that shot of, like, how high up they have to walk. And that was something that they made a conscious effort to, like, make it known that like we're trying like they that very easily could have just been an actual staircase and Mm -hmm. they could have made it look very ordinary and and like structured in reality but it's like no this is mortal fucking combat we're fighting people from a place called outworld (laughs) it's like let's Mm -hmm. go balls to the wall and like try to make something of it and it needs to be said there's a lot of meatloaf candles all over the place in this movie (laughs) like (laughs) there's so many sets that look like meatloaf music videos (laughs) um but yeah, they get off the boats and they head inland. Um, radio's no good. Compass is whacked. 
Um, I did like the flags on the beach because that's another example of production values where it's just like how do we dress up this beach to make it look like it's dressed up like we didn't just shoot on a fucking beach let's plant some flags in the in the beach with a with some kanji on them and it it, you know the wind blowing on them gives it some texture makes it look nice oh yeah this is where we get the staircase shot um there's like it's a mountain uh johnny's having trouble negotiating his luggage uh giant green screen staircase and statues it looks like frank frazetta shit to be honest like he's a famous like fantasy artist did like mm. conan type shit mm. a lot of muscly statues and oh shit. i love that that uh that painting of conan the barbarian at the very end of the at the whole end of the movie and they're getting ready to go over the credits and it tells you what conan did and it's just arnold like in a chair oh i yeah. love that painting it's the i think it's like the king lear uh, pose or whatever oh, king man. conan <laughs> I wonder if he's got that up in his house somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there's still a. It's not a painting, actually. It's just a. It's just him, like with a fake beard and everything. But mm. uh, it looks. It's a painterly shot. But um, there's still rumblings of there being potential for a, another Conan movie. Um, because my favorite Conan comics are just called King Conan, and the framing device is Co- old King Conan telling his story to a scribe. So he's like an unreliable narrator, but it's the pro- the point is you could still have old Arnold like with a beard and a crown in the movie, but have a different actor do the young Conan scenes. Um, Dude, I tried getting through. I tried getting through Terminator Dark Fate. Couldn't, couldn't I, do it. I couldn't get through Jan Silent Bob the reboot. I dude, it's uh, it's impossible. You should get an award if you can get through that fucking movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and Terminator Dark Fate, couldn't get through it either. Like, I can't. I can't uh, pay attention to this film. It's but so all, difficult. I'm all hyped for it because I listened to the I listened to the newest iteration of the theme music, and mm-hmm. I really liked it. Like, I yeah, really liked it. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You, you go ahead and you rent that, Trevor. You tell me how that goes. I, I might do that today. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was okay. the last they ever saw of him. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, so following the staircase, we get a couple of character introductions here. Uh, a reptile statue. Uh, so I said the set designs are great, but then you see reptile, and like, oh my god, that's they they spent all the money on the set designs and none of it on reptile. Yeah, his CGI is not great. Um, you can like he's like made up of a series of orbs. <laughs> like he looks like if you've ever seen the game Balls with a Z. Um, he looks like a character out of that game. Um, yeah, he starts out as a statue, and we meet prin- Princess Kitana, <laughs> deadliest of enemies. <laughs> um, and she is sitting under an umbrella or a parasol, what have you. Uh, she's under guard uh, from some outworld people. So we learn that she's, like, with the outworld folks, but it seems pretty obvious that, like, she's a good person. Um, she is played by Talisa Soto. Uh, who is quite fine. Um, she actually is a Bond girl. Um, oh, really? Yeah, which she one? was in License to Kill, um, which is a Timothy Dalton Bond. Mm. Um, and Robert Davi is the bad guy in that one. So um, actually, I think both both Johnsons are in that. Both Agent Johnsons are the in special that Special Agent Johnson and the yeah. other one? Yeah, uh, Robert Davi's the just like fucking Saigon, Ace Lake. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, other Agent Johnson is a like a friend to james bond earlier in the movie no the other one yeah we got both johnsons in this one but yeah talisa soto she 
she it's funny seeing her on camera with Robin show they look good together <laughs> like, yeah. it's a yeah. good pairing and she's not asked to do much in this movie but I appreciate her um, and then Johnny has a nice line here you know when a woman looks at you like that usually means something <laughs> it's, it's like yeah she's not interested in you Johnny. What, a thousand yard stare yeah, yeah she, she, she doesn't give a pleasant look <laughs> she's not emoting anything she's literally just looking mm-hmm. and I'm like that she means looks, nothing she just looks kind of bored maybe a little hungry maybe a little yeah. sleepy <laughs> maybe she's tired of sitting out in the sun she wants to go inside get a shower maybe grab a snack lay down yeah yeah <laughs> that's what um, it means Johnny <laughs> But yeah, uh, this is where we get the CGI reveal of Reptile, and he apparently is supposed to keep an eye on her. Like, And he he pops in and out of the movie here and there. Um, he doesn't really play a serious role in things until the very end. Um, but yeah, he CGI was a big fucking deal. We're two years post-Jurassic Park at this point, so it's like it's required that if you can afford it, you got to try to get it into your movie because people, I mean, you, you could sell a movie on the strength of cgi at this point like i think we were only maybe a year or two removed uh or yeah a year or two before like the haunting where it's like that whole movie was sold on cgi same with twister (laughs) was sold on cgi yeah more or less yeah like the entire movie was sold on the premise of look at these computer effects Mm -hmm. like they had news specials about it like I remember, like, on the local news, they had, like, specials about how they made the movie and stuff because, like, it's this new technology. It's so fantastic. Um, but, yeah, uh, we go to the dining hall, and uh, a bunch of ninja, like, Scorpion and Sub-Zero show up here, and a bunch of goons. Um, these goons with, like, their turbans, and no no one has shirts. Like, no, no. no shirts allowed in Outworld, apparently. <laughs> they all walk in. They're all greased the fuck up. Um, and Shang Tsung gives a speech at dinner uh, to all the earth realm fighters were all dining uh we get a tease for a character by the name of prince goro uh who we all the children in the audience are like oh shit it's goro (laughs) um but you know if you don't know anything about the games you're like okay some prince is at the tournament um basically he just makes it known like hey y'all are gonna die so uh eat well and then there's this weird scene where like all the all the goons with the turbans like storm the middle of the dining hall and start flipping tables like, yeah it's a the... dick move yeah it's such a dick move why would you set up like this beautiful feast for everyone and then just like start like kicking people out of their chairs and flipping the tables it's like you can do it nicely just like put those uh those glidey coaster things on the ta- on the chair legs and stuff and slide slide the table off to the side don't make a big fucking mess <laughs> um but yeah we get a demonstration of what sub-zero is all about um this this was really awkward. <laughs> so basically, all the goons form form two two lines opposite each other, and they make like a, a corridor for uh, Sub Zero to have a pose off with some random turbaned guy. Mm-hmm. And Sub Zero is just like charging up his ice hadoken, and then this poor guy is just doing forms like just not even forms like you would expect him to do like a kata or something, like a. a pre-rehearsed like form of some sort of martial art but no he's just doing stuff he's just throwing random punches and elbows and kicks and i'm pretty sure the way this scene was directed was they just locked the camera down and said do stuff (laughs) until i say stop no this dude was in this dude spent like a good 10 minutes doing push-ups and pull-ups to get vascular as fuck and sweaty no he got his pump (laughs) yeah he got he got his pump going uh he's just like just 
you're a kickboxer. Be a kickboxer. And this guy yeah, is just doing it. He's just throwing random strikes and stuff, and they don't look good. And what's what's worse is that this is not the only time this happens in this fucking movie. But he does this thing where he posts up and he throws like three, four kicks in in one motion, and he slips. And they left it in the movie. He loses his balance. <laughs> We're kids. We don't know. We don't know any better. But he looks He looks miserable. He looks like a deer in the headlights. It's a good thing he had that turban on, because otherwise you would see it on his face. But long story short, he launches himself at Sub-Zero, who caps him with the ice hadoken in midair, and then he freezes, smashes, and explodes into, like, icy bits. He's a very dead man. Um, and we get a uh, flawless victory from Shang Tsung. I always wanted to look like this dude. I remember as a kid, I'm like, I want to look like that, Mom. She's like, well, maybe one day when you get older, you can work out and you can you can look like that. <laughs> I do now. Uh, <laughs> not not this vascular, not that vascular. But, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, like this this guy, like I remember very young. I'm like, I want to look like that guy when I get older. Um, I remember I remember talks like that and like gym class in high school it's like i want to be veiny it's like well <laughs> you know work at it have have the right genetics for it and maybe you will honestly this guy might be on just a, a little bit of hgh maybe just a little something he's his, pretty vascular his his nipples are a little puffy so yeah <laughs> i like, think he might be on a little bit of something a little juice just just the littlest bit just, just everyone needs a little help you know <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh, our heroes uh, now now that the banquet hall is emptied, our heroes take off after Shang Tsung. Liu is leading the way. And, of course, Sonya comes up with because where's Kano? <laughs> um, and we get a good bit of dialogue here where uh, Johnny Cage mentions something about admiring Sonya's single-mindedness um, about her completing her task of eliminating Kano. And Liu challenges him and says, like, it's not her mind you're admiring. And then he steps out of frame, and Cage is like, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, way to be honest with yourself, Johnny. Good yeah. for you. That's the first step towards recovery. <laughs> um, and then we get the first, like, visual tease of Goro via his hand. Like, he, it's a perspective shot of him, like, looking through a, a screen door towards them. And we get a little bit of his voice, which he is credited as being voiced by... Um, a veteran voice actor. I'm not positive what his name is, but he, uh, I think he's done by two different people because my, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson, who mm-hmm. is, he does like a, I think he's a major player in like the Seth uh, McFarlane shows these days, but he's a massively prolific voice actor. Um, I want to say he did Goro's speaking lines and Frank Welker did his, his screaming. Noises. Oh, okay. It's like I want to say it's it's Frank Welker doing all the <laughs> of yeah, which there that. is of which there is far more than than like any of the dialogue. He's mostly just grunts and roars. <laughs> yeah, man, fucking breathe through your fucking nose, Goro. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it it gets a little annoying at times. <laughs> like every yeah. time he's on screen, it's just that yeah. constantly. <laughs> When he's like going up the stairs to go get Johnny Cage, like I don't know how this guy's beating ass, man. He needs to do some cardio. He's not in good shape. 
Do you ever see when fucking uh, Batista tried to do some MMA fighting? He got like two punches in and then 15 seconds he was just up against the cage and up against the other dude. Like, my God. Yeah, Did honestly, no conditioning. Yeah, I have seen that. Um, it's it's on par with Bob Sapp, who... You know Bob Sapp, right? Mm-mm. Bob Sapp is like a Batista and a half in terms of size. And he would get so tired to the point that he would just use his body weight and he would lean on people and he would just turn his hip and let his arm go slack and then just rotate and just whip people with the inside of his arm because his arm weighed as much as me. Was (laughs) Was he the brawny man? He looked like the brawny man with the mustache? Or am I thinking of somebody else? No, he was just a gigantic black guy. Um, mm. Like his traps were as big as my whole body. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> he's, uh, I think he he's related to Warren Sapp. I forget how though, like mm. cousins maybe. Um, but he he is literally like a Batista and a half. Gotcha. Um, and he would get that tired. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a KO where he just fell asleep in the ring or something, <laughs> or he just passed out. <laughs> so yeah, we take after we take off after Shang Tsung. Uh, we get a trailer shot that I remember being played back in the trailer in like fast motion. It's just like an overhead shot of them on a bunch of uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade bridges, like across a cavern kind of. Um, and then we cut to Meat Loaf's dining hall, um, where Kano is enjoying a turkey leg. Uh, and sitting in the world's biggest chair, <laughs> um, it's it, it's Goro's chair. I, I know it's his chair. It's just when you, this is before you see Goro. So the whole time you're like, why is that very large man in an even larger chair? <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, I I just know, like I always knew he was in like kind of a big chair, but th- I was watching it last time. I'm like, oh, it's Goro's chair. That's why it's so big. I never pieced it together. <laughs> I mean, it actually comes in handy. Uh, because we're about to see that he's having a conversation with Goro, wherein Goro belittles him. And we get a nice shot from Goro's perspective, um, kind of like intimidating Kano. And it actually works, because we get to see this reverse shot of this of this gigantic beast looking at this very, in his eyes, tiny man sitting in, in his chair and just looking weirdly small in the frame. <laughs> Eating like a pig, just like chewing with his he's- mouth open. Using, he was so fucking greasy. Using the turkey leg as a as a as a like waving it at him. I'm like, ugh. Um, I, did you notice the goblet, uh, the uh, the thing of wine that's sitting on the table? Uh, that's easily two bottles of wine that is in his uh, in that container. I'm like, my god, I never noticed it. <laughs> hey, Kano's got tolerance. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is where we get the grand reveal of the Goro animatronic. Um, and this is somewhat unfortunate, if you ask me. No, um, you, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to put my foot down. I'm tired of this. I am tired of people saying that this looks like shit. This was 1995. I think this Goro looks great. I, you guys can suck it. I'm tired of I'm tired of listening to it. I, I think it looks okay. It's just there's certain shots that just really ruin the illusion. But, caveat, even Jurassic Park has bad shots of its animatronics. Um, there is a there is one or two shots of the T Rex head that look awful, like straight up awful. Where you can practically I'm gonna need your list. I need timestamps. I can get you them because I'm I, gonna need I've, those timestamps. I I noticed one when I was young that forevermore it like I, my brain can't take it away. Like it's just it's in front of my face. I can't not see it. Um, where you I, can basically hear the servos like whirring. Like you can hear the Chuck E Cheese animatronics moving. <laughs> I. 
I still don't get how he got his claw over the fence. That's the one that makes absolute no, absolutely oh, no sense to me. Yeah, you and I have gone back and forth about that. That just looks terrible to begin with, but it, the logistics of it are even worse. <laughs> logistically, I'm like, even as a kid, I'm like, wait, what? How would he do that without his head hitting the like, fence? He literally yeah. has to be like, <laughs> like arched over. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's a really flexible T-Rex. <laughs> I'm like, or maybe it's his foot, and I'm like, no, because no, it's a huge his... drop-off. So and, I'm it's, like, it, and it's two claws. So yeah. It, yeah, it, it's it's just weird. It's a shot that I think for timing purposes is necessary, but logistically it's problematic and it doesn't look good. But think about how much cooler it would have been if they would have had him like if you just see like a like his head move really quickly, like you just see like in a shadow, and then the the goat falls on the on the uh, on the top. I'm like, oh, that would have been kind of cool. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Maybe you should email Steven Spielberg. <laughs> so like, hey, you know that movie you made like 25 years ago? I know how to do it better. <laughs> oh, you mean that one I was editing when I was making a uh, concentration camp epic? No, I, uh, I'm i not going to listen to you. <laughs> I have no bad things to say to him. I have nothing no. as far as those two movies are concerned. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the Goro animatronic, I I think it looks okay for the most part. Um, his His shape is a little weird. Because his torso is too long, because it's obviously a, an yeah. animatronic torso propped up on top of someone's shoulders. Um, maybe they should have gotten like a more stout actor or something, mm-hmm. like just just to make the torso less long. Because he has like twelve abs. Like, yeah, he does. <laughs> um, but more than that, it's just there's there's certain like dialogue scenes where he he looks a little clunky. Um, he needs more. He needs more ky jelly. God damn yeah. it! He he needs to be more slippery because he, yeah. he looks really dry, and I get it. He's subterranean. That makes sense. Like, is, the, uh, is that like underworld? <laughs> is that like underground? Something like that. Uh, Something like that. <laughs> uh, I like I like their little exchange back and forth. I'll give you I'll give you the dialogue. Sometimes when he's talking, you're just like he's not talking. Uh, but I think he's I think it's still a, like a realistic. Uh, I think he's realistic looking, and I think it's menacing also, especially as a kid. Yeah, um, I remember being a little, a little like legit concerned when I was a kid when he's chasing Johnny Cage. Like mm. for some reason that spooked me a little bit, mostly because he's in the shadows and mm-hmm. he, like he's doing that heavy breathing shit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I think it's mostly the fight with art that it's like, ooh, we're getting every every bad aspect of this animatronic in one in one scene you mean the whole scene we didn't need oh i had a good laugh i had a really good laugh during arts uh johnny cage has a line that i'm like okay yeah <laughs> it, try that. i think i know what it is and yeah it's uh that whole sequence <laughs> so is not funny. it's just not good and it i get it Who? We're trying- oh there are blocks okay sorry during this scene where we have kano and goro uh having a chat um, did you notice the blocks of cheese on the table? It where looks like we, a cake. <laughs> where did we get blocks of cheese in Thailand? I don't feel like that's something that's easy to find. It's probably shot in L.A., but uh, this is Outworld cheese, Kyle. <laughs> this is Outworld cheese and Outworld turkey. I feel like you're just scavenging for meat in Outworld. Kano, Kano is eating an alien turkey. <laughs> Seems to be agreeing with him, too. Although it's definitely coming out of his pores, because uh, this man is Ooh. greasy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he and Goro have an exchange here. Goro belittles him. Um, 
like like Chang Sung had said, he is a prince, and they do some neat stuff with his. Uh, I, I will give them this. Uh, they do some neat stuff with the blocking of his dialogue here, where like he does the thing where his bottom arms are folded. Oh, by the way, folks, Goro is a four-armed, ponytailed, uh, what's it with um, Ninja Turtle hands. <laughs> um, yeah, like he has his bottom arms folded, and then like his top hands are like gesticulating and stuff. And he has like a theatrical quality to him because he's supposed to be royalty. He's supposed to be a little high on himself. And yeah, he talks himself up a bit. Um, but he also defers to Shang Tsung, which is important to note that yes, he's the muscle, but Shang Tsung is the bowels. Um, and we also learn at this point that Shang Tsung enslaves souls. Um, that's where his strength comes from, apparently, because uh, Kano actually brings up like, so he has this army. What are you talking about? I've, I haven't seen anyone. It's like, they're inside, idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, this, um, we learn here that Shang Tsung only wants Sonya to be humiliated because he has plans for her. Um, we don't know what those plans are until later. Um, thankfully, they're not those kinds of plans because uh, that would make the movie R-rated. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and this is also where there's they pay lip service to the fact that Kitana is 10,000 years old. Do with that what you will. Johnny Cage seems to have a problem with that. Lou seems okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. I'm very okay with that. You know what um, I'm not okay with? I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us back to the Santa Claus real quick. There's a moment in that movie. I, this has been on my mind for a long time. Uh, I'm sorry for it's, it's been on my mind for like a couple of months now, and this seems like the good place to do it. Um, he uh, Tim Allen is at the North Pole, and he's talking to the little girl elf. Like she's she's like a thousand years old or something like that. She's like super old. And he's like, you know, I must say, you look pretty good for your age. And she's like, thanks, I'm seeing someone unwrapping. I'm like, it's supposed to be a joke because, you know, she's supposed to be really old. I'm like, in no way is that joke okay because she doesn't look good for her age because she's a child. She looks like a child. <laughs> and I, I just realized that. I'm like, oh, my God, that is not that is not okay. That's not a funny joke, and it's really inappropriate. And I hope somebody besides him wrote that line because <laughs> that is creepy. Um, you're, you're building up a stack of emails you need to write to celebrities like Tim Ooh. Allen I did not like your pedophilic line <laughs> pedophilic line in the Santa Claus I think I have like a well I'll talk about it later but anyway sorry I, I had to I had to get that off my chest it's been it's been brewing for a while I'm like there's a problem apparently um, but yeah our heroes get lost uh, they have an, an encounter with an invisible reptile who can camouflage himself. There's a nice jump scare here. Um, This definitely points to the later direction of Paul W.S. Anderson's career, wherein he would mostly dabble in action horror. Like, Mm -hmm. action with a capital A. (laughs) Action with a capital A horror with a lowercase h. Um, Mm -hmm. Because even Event Horizon turns into schlock towards the end. I don't know, that final Resident Evil movie went more capital H. It was capital A, capital H, action horror. Yeah, they, that movie's ridiculous, but, you know, they brought it home pretty well. The, there's, there's a pretty good horror sequence where they fall down those uh, those shafts near the end. Like, that, I mean, it, the the whole area that they're in doesn't really make a lot of sense, and it's got to smell awful. <laughs> but it was, an, it was a nice little horror scene. Yeah, no, he, he finds ways to to work both genres but he tends to lean more more towards action but this this shows like he has a taste for both but um anyway we somehow we end up back at the dining hall 
Um, okay, first of all, real quick, um, Johnny Cage is like leading them through. He's like, I know she's this way. I could smell her perfume. Uh, you're going down a hallway that hasn't been walked down in decades because it's all the, just spider webs. It's all yeah. dust and webs. It's like that it's should like, tell you right there she didn't go that way. She didn't go that way. <laughs> <laughs> The fact Maybe that you it's... have to part these cobwebs means no one else has been down this road. Nobody's been down there. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, they end up back in the in where uh, Goro and Kano had their exchange. And then we get a reprise of the theme music because... And the trailer. You, you Yeah, and, and basically the entirety of the trailer for this This movie. is the whole trailer is this scene. Yeah, um, so this scene is our three heroes um, beaten ass, kind of. <laughs> so a bunch of turbaned goons run in, and we get some really tepid... <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, what do you want to call them? <laughs> the putties. Let's just call the putty, them the putties. They, I mean, that's their function in the story. Yes, they're the they, same they are the function. putty. They're fodder. Yeah. They're the putty patrol. Yeah. Um, they run like They run into a bunch of these guys, all three characters get their own moments um we're cross-cutting back and forth and back and forth between everyone hitting people again the sound effects are out of control here and this this is an example of just like energetic editing trying to sell you on something that's actually Mm -hmm. not energetic at all because the choreography is tepid as all fuck um it's who who is the best final pose Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. <laughs> I mean, Johnny Cage. Absolutely. The, he they the gave him best that final pose. They gave him that staff for a reason, and he sells that that action oh, fist. He does. Yeah. That pose is mir- miraculous. It's amazing. Sonya does uh, a clothesline, which no, she doesn't. Uh, she does a clothesline and just holds it. She yeah. Just keeps it. Yeah, and the camera just kind of zooms in on her while she's like, line. Yeah. Line. <laughs> they just tell her, just hold it for a minute. Yeah. Hold it. What's really funny about that is, like, the guy who took that clothesline, he bumped his ass off. Like, he mm. took that like a champ. He did a backflip. He probably landed on his fucking neck. And she, she just, all she had to do is hold her arm out. <laughs> I don't even know if he touches her arm. I, like, I was watching. I think he like, does. He, but like, point is, very lightly, because he doesn't want to hurt her. Like, because we still, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to hurt her, and there's still more movie to film at that point. But point is, she all she has to do is stick her arm out, and this this champ, this this stuntman, royal figure, he just like fucking sells his ass off for her. But there is one shot in the sequence that always makes me just roll with laughter. So, like I said, the the energy of the editing here is trying to sell us on the illusion that this is an awesome action scene because Mortal Kombat. And you could put anything to that theme music, and it would make it feel cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you can't do is have a random shot with like very lazy camera work of Liu Kang doing a cartwheel mm. for no reason whatsoever. There's Again. no one. There's no one around. The framing is lazy, and he just posts up on the ground and does a cartwheel. And that's that's the shot. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad, and like I, I have to point it out to everyone that I watch this movie with because it's one of those things that's very easy to miss. Because again, the the theme song and the editing, it's like, oh yeah, it's, I'm I'm swept up in it. But you pause for one second, you let your brain communicate to you how dumb this is. It, it's fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that Johnny Cage pose uh, to conclude the action scene is spectacular. Mm-hmm. That it that pose is the trailer. Like that, yeah. seriously, just him whipping that bow around and sticking his fist up. Like, yep, that's the movie. You can sell an entire movie on that shot. 
Um, but then there are reinforcements. Um, however, Raiden shows up to save everyone, to bail everyone out, and we get we get the another trailer shot. Actually, I don't think so. With the lightning mm-hmm. bolt on the finger. Big time. <laughs> um, and then we get more exposition. Exposition. <laughs> I mean, it, do we need this exposition? No, it's just, we don't. We're okay. gonna skip it. Thank you. He just basically reiter- reiterates things we already knew anyway. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to finally the tournament beginning. Um, and Luke Kang, <laughs> you will be first. I just love uh, the way obviously he he's that. in the fucking circle. Like he's already there. Of course he's gonna be first. He's there. He already knows he's first. Yeah. You think he? You think he like didn't expect he was gonna be first? He's standing in the circle. He's the yeah. chosen one. Yeah, he's the chosen one. It's expected. Um, Luke Kang. <laughs> I remember I watched this with my girlfriend when I was 18, and uh, we had a good laugh because she was like, "Man, this is a it's just a pose off here. This is the best pose off of the film because they're like they pose and then they get some more posing going. It's it's a lot of fun." Yeah, you said this was your favorite fight in the movie. This is my favorite fight. I liked this guy. Uh, he probably could have used a ponytail. I think it would have been helpful in his uh, <laughs> for his hand eye coordination. Um, <laughs> Because he kept he keeps flipping his hair back as it's getting his, but he looks so cool doing it. I don't even care. That's the other thing. They they um, use some good slow motion here. Where I mean, he roars. He roars. <laughs> he makes tiger noises or lion noises. Lion man. Yeah. So yeah, it's Luke Kang versus the Lion Man, and they they pose. They have a pose off before they start fighting, and yeah, Lion Man roars. Mm-hmm. He just has a slow motion bit where he tries to like do a what step at Liu Kang, and and there's a roar <laughs> on the soundtrack. No, I just like because they're both they're both capable, of, like they're they're both fighters in real life, and they're both I mean they both know how to do like choreography. It's not considering like all the other stuff I've seen, it's not ten minutes long. Uh, so it's not a very like exciting fight. Like you don't, there's not a lot to really take from it. But I think it's quick, and, it, and it's two talented people like actually going at it. Unlike some of the other fights that are coming. Um, but yeah, I I like it. I don't like how it ends though. That's my only yeah, problem. That, that finishing blow. Why did they? It's just go a drop kick. That? It's just a drop. It's kick. not even a drop kick. He's falling backwards. We there's used to no drop kick each other all the time in wrestling practice because we just—it's a padded room. We just run up and kick each other in the back. It does nothing. But it's not even a sexy drop kick, like no. like there, like a missile drop kick, like like where you turn your body horizontal, mm-hmm. like that. That's beastly looking. But like a front drop kick when you're falling backwards, that's like that's like you said, you do that for fun. I mean, Anderson Silva knocked—I don't remember who he knocked out, but he knocked them out like. Like leaning back, like he didn't even get his hips into it. Like he was just leaning back and knocking oh, somebody out. I think that was Forrest Griffin, where he bopped yeah, him. Yeah, I was like, it was either him or Matt Hughes. I'm like, it was one of those, one of those uh, white girls. Vitor Belfort, <laughs> white girls. <laughs> uh, Vitor Belfort was the one that Steven Seagal taught him a front kick to to mm. knock him out. <laughs> he attributed that win to Steven Seagal. That's sad. <laughs> um, all of your training, and that's the guy that got you past him. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but this is also like where we understand the gravity of the situation. It's probably the best of the soul-sucking that actually happens because Arts looks like something from Space Jam. Um, yeah, no joke. Yeah. Uh, and I, I always thought he looked like uh, Charles Barkley a little bit because those movies, like I watched these movies around the same time and I thought, he kind of looks like Charles Barkley. Um, <laughs> he's about um, uh, six feet shorter than him, but um, 
But yeah, this is where like they do their fight. He does the growling. There's no really. There's not um, any slow motion here except there's for like a lot the, actually, the, Kyle. The, in the the lion roar, there's the lion roar, but there's there's a lot. I didn't really um, notice that. Much almost every ma- almost every major hit landed in this fight. Is oh yeah, hit. the hits. Yeah, but like the, I'm talking the like the wheel kick and like none of the bow staff stuff. Like the, the no, bow. St- that's actually what makes it look good is the combination of the sand flicking around and like a tock 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 tock. Like mm-hmm. like the energy of that really works. But yeah, pretty much every time someone gets hit in this fight, it's like. Well, I'm saying that because the next fight we get is not that. You can barely see the Sub Zero fight. That that was my problem with that because it's so dark in there. And I just really didn't like, much. I just didn't like the balancing of the choreography because it. Liu Kang kind of whips his ass. It's like mm. you kind of you kind of diss that character a little bit. Like you took his menace level and just like dropped it to nothing. Well, let's be honest here, Trevor. Sub Zero, <laughs> he uses his freezing as a crutch. Like he doesn't have to be that good at fighting. He just has to last long enough to freeze you so kyle there's a there's a strategy in fighting games called zoning wherein it's basically you hang back and you throw shit at people and and you do it repetitively and and so much that they can't get close to you mm-hmm. so are you saying sub-zero oh, is I, essentially a zoner <laughs> yes that's exactly what his character is that's exactly <laughs> what you use him for in the game is just that i played with sub-zero on the on the old mortal kombat and mortal kombat x that's exactly what he is you are just using his freezing powers yeah, I, I, he's a bit of a gimmick character in that sense. And in this movie, that's definitely what he is because he really isn't terribly effective outside of that. <laughs> like I said, I will fuck you up with Liu Kang. Like, I will <laughs> kick the fuck out of you with him. Like, get those combos down. You can do some serious damage with him. It's Mortal <laughs> Kombat, not freezing motherfuckers. The game. <laughs> Stop trying to hit me and hit me. Hit me! Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, now we get the the worst scene in the whole movie. Oh, you want to talk about... I want to talk about it because it's got to be talked about, but oh my god, this this scene, I always just want to leave the room or skip it every time it comes Sonya? Up. Sonya. Oh, god. Well, anyway, sorry. Uh, Lu- uh, Shang Tsung sucks this black dude's soul out, and it, and he he's... Like, it's, it's creepy. He's a kid. I'm it, like, oh, fuck. That was pretty scary. It's uh, really cool because we get to see, like, all the different layers of his physiology. Mm-hmm. So we get to see, like, his nervous system and his muscle tissue and then, like, his skeleton and then... He gets sucked into Shang Tsung's palm via like a spark of energy, but then the corpse afterwards is what really sells it. Is mm-hmm. he's he's a very dark skinned guy, but then they make him look like an actual Purple. cadaver. Yeah, yeah like he, he looks, looks like a legit dead body, Ooh. and it's like a a detail that didn't need to be there. But holy shit, it really sells the fact that he did. Yeah, I think that's why also why I really like this fight it was like the conclusion of it. It's like, oh, that's heavy. Yeah, it sets um, the stakes. Like it yeah. lets you know that yeah, you you don't lose the fight. You you die so i'm so yes yeah, so sonia's getting ready to do her fight and so this this actress she decided to do her own apparently she did her own um stunts and her own fight choreography for this um she she is like air air boxing or air bitch slapping i think at one point she does she's, a backhand and loses her balance yeah and she's making noises she's doing like the karate noises now most yeah. of the people yeah yeah <laughs> Um, now, generally, you can, like, um, I don't know what it is about, like, the making noises or, like, I guess it's just breathing exercises. You're trying to put in as much force into each, like, each strike as possible. Yeah. And it flows with certain, like, people who actually are martial artists, and you notice it. 
she's not. So she's just like, (laughs) it's pretty funny. I mean, it's like Power Rangers. Like they have like uh, Tommy uh, Mm -hmm. on Jason David Frank on the Power Rangers. He had his trademark ki is mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was his trademark yeah. and even the fight right, right before this one actually i wrote in my notes the the ki like the exertion noises in this fight are out of control mm. <laughs> like there's a lot of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like, and some some movies have it some movies don't american movies i notice are not very big on having that um like the the raid movies actually um some people that reviewed them gave it like a negative check mark because like the noises that they make during the fight scenes in those movies are mm. loud and con- like just constant i like it because i think it adds to the energy of things but yeah she just, like she doesn't know like my first note for this scene is oof this girl can't punch and she cannot punch she just has no sense of what to do with herself and even her stance like it's like what what is that <laughs> like what are you doing in her it doesn't help that her outfit like why does she have to have that outfit yeah well I mean, she didn't, i know she didn't why hack. but yeah no i absolutely know why because teenage boys and whatnot mm-hmm. uh, she's got her short shorts and a top that is i have she's to imagine about to lose there's a point. lot of tape on the inside of that shirt I'm watching, tape I was it. watching the scene again, and I'm like, they're going to pop out. Like, how did they? How did their boobs not fall out during this scene? It was I think incredible. a lot of tape and on the set probably happened a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably happened a lot, especially when she goes upside down. Kano is the worst fighter in the history of Mortal Kombat. Because <laughs> uh, he's just like, he comes out with a knife, which is not okay. Uh, no. <laughs> he comes out with a knife. He's like, I used it to stab your, uh, to stab your partner. Uh, and that's how he starts the fight is he just swings it at her. He's like, you should give it up. I've studied all your moves. And I'm like, what? Okay. Moves? <laughs> he is the worst fighter because he doesn't even do it. Like he's a bad bar fighter. Even at that, like he, he does nothing really, uh, except yeah. he gets a good stomach kick in there. Yeah. The best stomach kick. Um, she, to her credit, she sells the fuck out of it. Like she, she sells it. Yeah. Yeah, she looks like she just got her insides obliterated. Um, I love his pants; they're terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks like Ace Ventura. He does. Ace Ventura has got the same Thank style. Thank you. It's he like, absolutely does. Like pair, like like medium parachute pants tucked into combat boots, which is, I've always loved that outfit. <laughs> it's a good look. <laughs> it's it's one of the best outfits in cinema history. Um, and also, did you notice his chest hair? No, I didn't. I, it's I didn't. A ta- it's a tailored. Like V. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> it's it's tightly manicured. Um, but yeah, they they have a scrap. the The music is not great. Um, the choreography is awful. She throws a spinning kick, and she like so. So the turbaned goon, uh, the unfortunate individual who got blowed up by Sub Zero, he he threw a couple kicks, posted up on one foot, mind you, and tripped a little, a little bit. She throws a kick and she falls on her ass, mm-hmm. and it's in the movie. <laughs> it is in the movie. <laughs> Why is that? Lit- is that seriously the best take you had of that? Yeah, she falls down mid kick. It's in the movie. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, 
But yeah, long story short, very long she, story short. Yeah. She yeah she managed to to wrap her legs around his uh his neck and catch it on the ground and he is spitting all over her leg. I've noticed this ever since ever, ever yeah. since I was a kid. Just spitting all over her leg. She yeah. breaks his neck. Um, I don't think this is a soul worth sucking, uh, Shang Tsung. I don't think um, he did. <laughs> I don't think he did. This guy's a fucking. This guy's a loser. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, then we get to um, what is? Uh, oh, Johnny John, Cage versus Scorpion. Like yeah. straight to it. Yeah, it's actually kind of fascinating how we we do a swoosh cut. Like mm-hmm. the camera just whip pans, Ooh. and then we're in an Ooh. orchard, and Johnny Cage has his best Chandler Bing outfit. <laughs> yes, it is a Chandler Bing outfit. It is a Chandler Bing shirt for sure. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> it's like that weird shade of green. That Could was... I be wearing any more green? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and Scorpion comes out, and they're in an orchard. Uh, the opening of this fight is all spear business. So he he launches the 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 sentient spear at him, and it gets hung up on some trees. It's not. I always thought this was. I always thought this was menacing, uh, the way he just kind of appears here. And, like, he cartwheels in a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, love, I really love the cartwheel because he he disappears and then he pops out from behind a tree. And it's really um, cute. Yes, this little, the little, the little mouth guy, um, mm-hmm. Johnny Cage, just rolls at the perfect time and gets behind a tree. Um, and he gets, like, the thing gets wrapped up uh, behind a couple trees. And then it's just, like, an inch away from his face. And I'm like, hey, Scorpion, take two steps yeah. forward and you've got him <laughs> just lean forward <laughs> two steps um and then uh some yeah and then he, he he sucks it back in his hand and then he's just about got johnny cage and then at the last second johnny cage ducks and this thing smashes its face i'm like does he get more of those or is it du- is his is his hand thing done at this point it's done no, so the, the, the head pops off it's embedded in the tree still and uh then he retracts the spear. Johnny Cage follows it home, and we get like a nod to one of Johnny Cage's special moves, the shadow kick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of like a the the mythical Hadoken in the Street Fighter movie, where like I remember having this argument with kids on the playground where in the Street Fighter movie, there's the fight between Vega, uh, mas- masked clawed Vega, um, Spanish Vega, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, Ryu. And uh, there's a part where Ryu hits him in the stomach, and then they added, like, a post-production flash effect on the screen. It's not a special effect. It's just a flash. And I was like, oh, that's supposed to be a Hadouken. Because at that Mm. point, you're just, like, reaching for whatever the fuck. Because you're like, this movie is not anything that I wanted at the time, but I need to make it what I wanted. (laughs) Um, So this is, like, akin to that, where it's like, we put an after-image effect on his kick. It's like, the people who will get it will get it, but... We're, we're keeping it within the realm of reality for whatever the fuck reason. Um, and then uh, we all teleport. We teleport to hell. Yes, we <laughs> teleport to hell. <laughs> yeah, casual um, teleportation to hell. This is awesome. I love this whole this whole underworld thing. Um, I love it's the a cool music. Set. I love this, the music in here. Uh, it, it turns into like we're in like a Slayer video or like a black mm-hmm. metal video. Um, Napalm Death uh, is the song. It's a song by Napalm Death that's playing during this. Um, oh. Yeah. That's a uh, pretty cool. They're they're a pretty big deal in the uh, thrash metal scene in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, <laughs> seriously, dude, thrash metal musicians are extremely talented. They're very technical players, and uh, these guys are really. Uh, I, I I don't really care for them too much, but I can appreciate them. No, um, I like the music in this scene. But yeah, the the song is working for me here. 
Actually, um, I've played this for you before, but the uh, the 2016 Doom game has a lot of music that sounds like this today. Mm. Uh, so it's not fallen out of fashion for some folks. Um, but <laughs> I like that. Uh, so Scorpion, when he first threw the spear, uh, has his his classic "Get over here," which he I, still does mm. to this day. Yeah, that's that was one of the only things. Is like we are literally welcome. Like we're just yeah. straight up from the the video game. I'm like okay. Well, later on though, it, like his get down here, <laughs> that that made me laugh. Just get down here. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, he still does the get over here in the games, as far as I understand. Um, I could be wrong, but I think Ed Boon, like I said, the guy who made Mortal Kombat, still does the voice for Scorpion. So I'd assume in this movie they got him for it too. Um, but yeah, this is this is a uh, one of the better fights in the whole movie, if you ask me. Um, mm? What I like about it is the the pace of the editing. It feels relentless. Like it matches mm-hmm. the music actually. Where the, the it's like mm-hmm. it's pulse pounding it has good forward momentum to it scorpion and fights like a pit bull like he just mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that's like like johnny cage goes down at one point and he gets stepped on many times <laughs> like yeah. it's like you're not getting up <laughs> like there's he's a, a little bit he's a little bit bigger than him too so there's mm-hmm. actually kind of like that oh shit like the the lion was a worthy adversary uh for luke kang uh kano I'm going to say is not a worthy adversary. He's way weaker. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> shit. But this is like kind of missing because Johnny Cage is like, we haven't really seen him. Like we saw him in the beginning do some stuff. We haven't seen him fight yet. And the, Scorpion's big and menacing. Like, so it, it's pretty good. Yeah. No, no it, it's a pretty decent fight, especially for its time. There's, there's, um, they take advantage of the fact that it's shot on a soundstage and they do some, some wire work that was not really a thing we were doing too much in the U.S. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like some flips and kicks and stuff done on wires. Uh, really good use of magic Hong Kong dust when, when people get hit to amplify the effect. Um, and then I noticed a thing here that I brought up in our uh, Three Musketeers review. So I had, a, I had a bit there where I was talking about white guys and ropes. It's like if you see a mm-hmm. rope in a fight scene, mm-hmm. there's going to be a white guy that's going to grab it and start swinging on it. It's just, oh, it, yeah. just, just got to happen. And, and same thing has to same thing goes for poles <laughs> like, like if there's a pole to be swung on there's going to be a white guy that's going to grab it and start swinging on it or doing some gym kata like some mm-hmm. gymnastic fighting and sure enough johnny cage does both where he he gets thrown and he grabs hold of a, a fireman's pole and spins across it and does a kick off of it and then he does some random gymnastic shit where he flips himself up to a, a higher platform uh and then we get the uh the get down here and we get the the uh, finale of the fight, wherein uh, Johnny Cage falls down from this very high platform uh, into a pit with skeletons and cobwebs all over the place. And it needs to be said, this whole set is bathed in orange light. We we are in hell. We are in uh, hell. It's never actually explained how Johnny Cage exits hell. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but we don't need that, because uh, it's not that kind of movie. But um, Scorpion follows him down, and then he does something, again, directly referencing the games, where he takes his his face off his face off (laughs) uh to reveal a skeleton head underneath which is again directly from the games it's one of his fatalities even in the first game uh, where he breathes fire from his skeleton head because he's he's a revenant of some sort um (laughs) did you notice the the uh, angry eyebrows that they animated on the skull <laughs> mm-hmm. it's so fucking stupid <laughs> so like johnny cage picks up a, a spear and a shield and in it reaction, looks like the 
it looks like the skeleton from Evil Dead Two. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally does. But they 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 like animated from behind the tree. <laughs> <laughs> they animated eyebrows on the skeleton <laughs> to make oh. him look angry, and then he starts breathing fire at Johnny Cage, who counters with a spear and a bladed shield. Uh, he cuts off half of his head. Um, so this is this is a way that our kid-friendly PG-13 movie can get some violence in there by having it be acted on a skeleton that bleeds ooze as opposed to blood and stuff. Uh, so Scorpion explodes, and we get a, ne- a nice little mo- like nice little ode to the games, wherein a giant cage runs away from the explosion. Uh, some body parts and like bones scatter on the ground and then there's an autograph a signed autograph from johnny cage to like to my best fan or whatever it's like yeah that's that's one of his finishers johnny cage uh and then cut to the beach uh Liu kang um by the way the the fight with the uh the fight with the lion is the scene where uh robin show missed missed his makeup chair like he, his his complexion and his hair look terrible <laughs> that's all, that whole scene but now he got his hair done so he he took a break in between fights apparently and he has much better hair much better makeup and he got his pump on so he he showed up for this one this fight um, makes no sense because they're fighting in mortal combat nobody soul gets taken here nobody wins or loses does she just disqualify herself or something like that i, I don't understand why this is here yeah it just kind of ends like shang song yeah. just calls a halt to things um, yeah. it, it's awkward, although I actually really love the editing in this scene. Like, really? Yeah. Uh, they they make a lot out of a little. So, like, the choreography here isn't terribly complex. Um, she has, like, a lackadaisical way about her. Um, but it's also very graceful. And they do a lot of things with the edits where it has a good forward momentum to it. Um, we do a lot of nice little insert shots of, of their feet moving on the sand. It's like sand getting kicked up and stuff. And it lends a lot of energy to things, and the camera's constantly rotating. Uh, I I really like the way it looks, um, but really the only reason this scene exists is just to have her speak in riddles and tell Lou how to win the next fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, Kitana basically tells Lou like to win the next match, use the element which brings life, which she'll she'll say again via narration in like the next thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Speaking of which, we jump to another fight scene involving the same character, which is a little weird. Like, in a tournament structure, mm-hmm. may- maybe the logic here is that, like, Kitana's out of the tournament now because Shang Tsung's like, nah, fuck that. And in the in the seating or whatever, it's like, oh, let's just slot Sub-Zero in her space or something. I, I don't know. Um, either way, next fight is Sub-Zero versus Liu. Did you notice the floor here? It's like a gigantic H.R. Giger painting or something. Mm-mm, I didn't like, notice it. It's, it's, they use this floor in several scenes in the movie because it looks like someone put a lot of love into it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing if you look at it. But um, This whole set made me think of Earthworm Jim for some reason <laughs> because it's like all oranges and blues and there's these wonky-looking gargoyles in the, front, in the foreground. Mm. And just something about the shape of their head made me think of uh, Psycho or queen uh slug for a butt or whatever <laughs> if you haven't played earthworm gym you're missing out now it's a super hard game but it's good times um and raiden leaves out some water buckets um remember that thing that kitana just said uh and then there's a cool shot beginning the fight where uh, sub-zero walks down a staircase it's a very long take 
Um, basically, it's center frame, and Sub-Zero walks down a staircase. Um, the two of them have a pose-off. And this is where you get to see the height differential between Sub-Zero and Liu Kang. It's like Sub-Zero is diminutive. <laughs> like, 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 like you said about Scorpion, it's like next to Johnny Cage, he looks larger. But then Sub-Zero, who traditionally in the games anyway, is like supposed to be like an opposite to Scorpion. Like, he, he's so tiny. <laughs> it looks really awkward. <laughs> and also I noticed that he has a stunt double. It's like, so this guy who... This guy who has no lines in the movie, who is there to be a ninja and nothing else, has stunt dolls for him. <laughs> but yeah, this whole fight felt a little... Uh, I don't know. It, it really did feel one-sided to me. Like, Sub-Zero gets some nice beats here and there. He gets a trailer shot where he gets to do a, a kickflip off the wall. I mean, if you have that in your movie in the 90s, you're going to put it in the trailer. <laughs> but yeah. other than that, it's just kind of Lou beating his ass. Um, and then, how does this fight end, Kyle? Yeah, um, so Lou gets like a good hit on him, and um, very, uh, very awkwardly, Sub Zero falls down. And is like, okay, well now I'm mad. So he starts doing his Hadouken. Uh, this is where you go punch him because he hasn't built it up yet. This is really stupid. Lou's just like, oh fuck, here it comes. Now what do I do? <laughs> and Sub Zero's just building it up, and it's getting bigger and bigger. And I guess it freezes his hand a little bit. And he like falls down, and um, he gets water on his hand. He's like, <laughs> I like his uh, like he's like holding onto his hand and like flicking the water off. He's, he's, sh- <laughs> he's shaking it off, you know. <laughs> and Sub Zero's just sitting there, like his 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 balls like just growing bigger. Well, even his pose, he's like, focus on my cock! (laughs) (laughs) And and Katana just, like, comes into frame, doing that same thousand-yard stare at him. Use the element which gives life. Water! (laughs) So he picks up the bucket of water, and this is where I'm like, okay, did the water... Did the water leave the bucket? Because he throws the bucket into the... into the, uh, the big freezy thing, and... It turns into like a, an icicle, and it stabs him in the fucking chest, and it freezes him, kills him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, did it? Did it come out of the bucket? Did it stay with the bucket? How did it get enough momentum? How did he know that it was going to be? Um, how how is it going to be? You know, sharp at the end? Wouldn't it kind of just be like that thing where you throw hot water outside when it's really cold, and just kind of turns into little ice, like just little drops? I'm like, huh, real lucky that that worked out. You would think he would take it and like run and throw the bucket of water at him but you know no, they have him like windmill it and mm-hmm. like i don't know the physics of that but i feel like it mm. would spill all over the place when you do it <laughs> i mean you i mean you're more likely to hit him in the head with a bucket than I mean, you are that would have been hilarious if he just threw the bucket <laughs> just like <Yeah>. ow <laughs> you broke my concentration <laughs> but yeah somehow that works and sub-zero is dead uh if you ask me he could have been done a little better but at least the effects work was good. At least his ice powers were represented well. Uh, so, yeah, at this point, um, Shang Tsung decides to let Goro off the chain. Um, and we then we immediately cut to a montage of a whole bunch of guys who I hope they, go, they were paid well. Because it's just a rapid-fire montage of people falling on rocks. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, just taking nasty bumps on rocks. And it's like, oh my god. Um, and this is also the first appearance of my favorite extras in this movie. The uh, Italian twins? 
the Metal Twins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> these guys are great. They're the yeah. MVPs of this movie, if you ask yeah. me. So these two guys, if, if, you've, if you've seen the movie and didn't notice them, uh, pay, pay better attention. How could you not notice them? They are they're the most frame. noticeable extras in cinema history. Yeah. They're center frame most of the time, and it's just these two jacked twins that have their shirts off, and the camera continually cuts directly to them multiple times in the movie where they all they do is yell Goro's name and then turn to each other and yell at each other. Yeah. Goro! Yeah! Yeah! Goro! Yeah! Yeah. It's so fucking great. I mean, it would probably be pretty exciting to watch him just murder people, but you know. They could they could be movie stars in their own right. I mean, I know we had the Barbarian Brothers for a minute there, but I I don't think they had a successful career. They did have a couple of Italian like Conan rip-off movies but mm. these guys definitely could have taken their it's like taken the mantle of, of, of trashy mm. barbarian movie stars um but yeah uh, this is where we get the art force versus goro fight um and this this piece of music that plays over this fight scene is the one that references the, the games directly um it's a cool piece of music i liked it but this fight is garbage mm. <laughs> Um, this is where I said you can practically hear the animatronics whirring in Goro. Because uh, we get a lot of really awkward like shots where the camera's pulled way back. And we get to see top to bottom the, the Goro suit. And it's cool that they did that because that's ambitious. It shows that they're, they were willing to try to show off their work and show that, yeah, it, it works. You can't see the cables or nothing. <laughs> like, um, but trying to do a fight scene with what I'd imagine is a fragile animatronic perched atop a stunt actor doesn't lead to to good good stuff Mm. Um, especially when it comes to like delivering blows with significant impact because pretty much every blow landed on art the sound effects make it sound like he's getting his face caved in but just there's no velocity to the strikes and it just like it looks like a soft rubbery pillow hitting him in the face occasionally (laughs) Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, to his credit, he tries to, to sell it. Um, but when art finally goes down, we get this bit where I think the the worst footage of Goro is the scene where he's holding him up and mm-hmm. he's, like, waiting for Shang Tsung's approval to finish him. You can, like, see him, like, kind of, like, stuttering. <laughs> like, <laughs> you half expect him to just, like, lock up for a second and be like, ah! <laughs> it's like the puppeteers got lost or something. But... Yeah, during this fight though, Kyle, you had you said Johnny was trying to offer some yeah. advice. <laughs> so, like our our trio of heroes are all watching the fight, and uh, they're all like, "Come on, yeah, get him, Art! Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah." They haven't been rooting for anybody else but Art, and uh, Art goes to throw some punches, and Goro just grabs a hold of his hands and just starts like using his upper hands just to. Just to punch him, speed bag. <laughs> speed, he's just yeah, he's speed bagging him, and Johnny Cage is like, Art, get out! Let's <laughs> like, to get out. I remember being in like wrestling matches and stuff like that. My coach was like, get out of there! I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to get out of this? Like, completely <laughs> stuck. I have no idea how to get out of this. Um, I just thought it was funny. He just his, his hand was just, get out. <laughs> he yeah. can't. <laughs> yeah, he, he can't, Johnny. <laughs> I had a pretty good laugh at that. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, but long story short, Art gets clubbed on the head. He dies. Um, Goro hoists him up, and Shang Tsung absorbs his soul through his eye. 
Yeah. And like you said, this looks like Space Jam quality yeah. special effects. Um, and then we get a good no from Johnny Cage to show that he cares and to remind us, the viewer, that we should care, but I just can't be bothered to because no. art, art wasn't a character. He was, nope. just, he was just affable for two seconds um, and then died. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we get some more exposition from Raiden. Uh, he once again reiterates like what what everybody's problem is. Like Sonya is afraid to ask for help. Uh, Johnny Cage is afraid of being a phony, and Lou fears his own destiny. Um, by the way, he gets really close to Sonya and like whispers in her ear, uh, which is a little awkward because <laughs> mm-hmm. he doesn't do that to the guys. <laughs> Um, um, I will say, uh, like, Johnny Cage's arc is that he's really good at using his environment to fight. Because uh, that's what he does with Scorpion. He uses, like you said, white guy with a pole, he's going to use that pole. He's going to jump <laughs> up and do stuff. Same thing with Goro. He makes use of, like, his atmosphere. Like, where am I at? Uh, I'm in a pit, but if I go up these stairs, maybe there's something back there I can use. And he does use it to his advantage. Well, what's really fascinating about Johnny as a character in this movie is that, like, in some ways, I kind of wanted more of him like i know Mm -hmm. lose the chosen one and and it's his movie but at the same time i think johnny because he's more verbose and just does more like just Mm -hmm. because he's an actor (laughs) yeah because he has more leeway as a character too like he has more wiggle room to experiment and like try different things and stuff like i had a i had an idea the last time i watched this movie um like I was thinking, like, oh, it's a tournament. Like, wouldn't it be really fascinating if, like, Johnny's arc in the tournament was that he gets in a position to win it or something, but he he steps back. Where like mm-hmm. he he knows he knows deep down that's like you know Lou is the right guy for this. Like maybe he he uses that environmental fighting technique or something where he does get in an advantage, like an advantageous position over Lou, and he kind of throws the fight a little bit, which mm-hmm. is like. I'm not going to win the whole thing and it's important that it's important for humanity as a whole that that we win this whole thing. So mm-hmm. like his arc would be him learning to take a step back and like check his ego. Gotcha. We don't do that in the movie, but I I think that's something you definitely could have done with the character and it would have fit with what we have already in the movie. Um but yeah, we get a sequence here where like everybody's preparing for the next phase of the tournament. And uh, Johnny makes it known that he wants to challenge Goro <laughs> uh, to protect Sonya, which is a little weird. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and Shang Tsung, like, attempts to dissuade him. But at the end of the day, they come to a deal. It's like, it's the worst fucking deal in history. Like, I don't know why Johnny agreed to this. But basically, like, Shang Tsung's like, so, like, I get this and this and this and this and this. And you get to fight the big forearm guy and probably lose. And Raiden's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, guys, don't do that. But um, like Johnny says, it's, it's Mortal Kombat. We fight it, not you. And mm-hmm. Raiden's actually, like, secretly pleased about that, which is kind of cute. I like seeing Christopher Lambert be snarky and, and you know, have a smile to himself. He's, I think he's charming. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I like him. But uh, Then we get the Goro versus Johnny fight, which is kind of a disappointment. But, again, working within the limitations of the, the effects work, I think – kind of how you had to do things maybe mm-hmm. um so yeah kyle how does how does goro get dispatched yeah goro takes his sunglasses and crushes them <laughs> which i thought was pretty nice oh and then uh they're getting ready to fight and johnny cage has his uh, his little line let's dance and 
Goro puts his hands up to Rah! Johnny Cage gets in that those splits and just fucking punches him right in the balls. <laughs> and it's a good move. Uh, but he's, he is in agony. Like, Goro's in a lot of pain. And Johnny Cage goes to run off. And I like the, uh, damn, that hurt. <laughs> uh, I like, but I like Raiden's. Uh, yeah, Raiden's reaction is good. Punching the guy yeah. in the shoulder. <laughs> sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes. He gets super excited about it's it. It's cute. Yeah, it's funny. Um, but yeah, he, he runs up and. And Shang Tsung is not too happy. He's like, "You fucking idiot! You got hit in the balls! Like, you got hit do you in the even ball- have balls? <laughs> yeah, punched in the balls by a guy named Cockknocker. God." <laughs> Goro Goro gives chase, and this was I thought kind of creepy. Uh, I think I had a nightmare about this was being chased by Goro, and it was like that 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 shot. It's like um, it's just like looking kind of up at him, and it's just a shadow, and you hear him breathing. This is where I was like, "Breathe through your." fucking nose dude like <laughs> um i like how they do this fight they because they're literally fighting on um uh seven feet of ground i would say like a, a, an edge in the five thousand those are five hundred dollar sunglasses asshole um but they pan out like crazy far away uh for this fight for the most part because it it's it's impossible to do this like up close and stuff but yeah basically girl gets punched or he gets kicked off the cliff and johnny gets to do his line again this is the part where you fall down and (laughs) and it's not a a hans gruber quality fall from a great height but this is spawn falling to hell basically actually yeah that's very apt um the 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 level of effects quality is not the best they literally like they they have like they have him, they have him, they have him, they just disappears. Like, he's just mm-hmm. gone. <laughs> yeah. um, when was the last time you saw Ninja Turtles 3, Kyle? If I've ever. never seen Ninja Turtles 3. Okay, well, there is there is a fall from a great height in that movie that literally has that. Mm. Where, where they have the figure falling, and you see where he impacts, and then instead of finishing the effect, he just disappears. Like, the mm. last couple of frames, he's just, he just, bloop, gone. <laughs> you know who doesn't do that is Ari Aster. I'll tell you that much. Uh, another uh, another example of that. There's that infamous um, Jurassic Park shot, the disappearing raptor. There is a frame at the finale of Jurassic Park where the T Rex has the raptor in its mouth. Mm-hmm. Raptor disappears for exactly one frame. It's amazing. <laughs> like you can't you can't unsee it. <laughs> like, I was on the fence about watching that movie today, and I think I'm gonna watch it today. <laughs> but it's kind of remarkable because it's it's in the finished film, and hmm. it, it's just a thing that's gonna be there forever. But it doesn't break the movie or anything. It's just a funny thing that happened. Um, anyway, uh, so Goro dead, and then Sonia is abducted by Shang Tsung because the aforementioned deal allowed him to challenge whoever he wanted for the finale of the tournament bad move johnny mm-hmm. um he and uh he and sonya take off to outworld via a really bad cgi blob that has mm-hmm. some really sharp edges on it because uh curved surfaces were still kind of difficult to do <laughs> in computer effects at the time <laughs> um but yeah lou and uh johnny cage follow him um and by the way reptile is in hot pursuit uh, we go to outworld which is represented by I think maybe also the Anchor Wat or a bunch of temples as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this in, the entire set or landscape or whatever you want to call it is bathed in purple lighting, which looks kind of cool. 
uh, looks considerably less cool in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> um, mm. Like one of the first props we come across is like a giant smashed Buddha head, which is kind of cool looking. It's always a good look. Um, and then there's these really cool crucified statues everywhere. That I really love the look of these things. Um, they're the same statue that'll later be used to give birth to reptile. Um, and then there's also some really bad CGI of the castle where Sonya is going to be stored here. Um, but cutting ahead just a couple seconds here, uh, we get the reptile fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lou uh, uses his ultra instinct powers or whatever to discern that there is an invisible lizard creature hiding against the wall. Uh, he throws it into one of those statues and some tendrils emerge from its torso and like suck the really poorly CGI lizard creature into its chest. Um, and then he merges with the statue and turns into a green ninja. Um, played by the guy that I like to call like Asian Nicolas Cage because uh, the actor's name is Keith Cook, but um, he also shows up in a Mortal Kombat Annihilation as Sub-Zero. And he was also with Robin Shu uh, in uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. He's like one of the main bad guys in it. Oh. Um, so apparently the two of them, I guess, get along. Maybe at least. Oh, I know it. exactly who he is. He's the um, he's the main bad guy's side guy, the guy mm-hmm. that's like five feet tall. Yeah, yeah. I know who they, he is. Yeah. I, th- I think they like have a relationship as stunt workers or something. Like they're just gotcha. comfortable working together. Um, but uh, I think this is the best fight in the movie. Um, it's the energy of it is is good. Um, you you said you had something to tell me about the music in this scene. Yeah. Did you like the music in this scene? I absolutely love it. So the music in this scene, uh, the song is called Control, uh, the Juno Reactor Instrumental. Um, this was written by Tracy Lords. Do you know who Tracy Lords is? Kind of. Refresh my memory, though. <laughs> so Tracy Lords was, um, uh, she was a porn star in the 80s, um, like uh, late 70s, early 80s, I believe. Um, she wrote this song. Uh, she is famous for... Um, she started in the adult film industry when she was really underage. Uh, she had a fake birth certificate and a fake social security card stating that she was of age. And she did a ton of films as an underage actress. Straight up porn. Um, the adult film industry found out um, after, I think right before she turned 18 or right when she turned 18. So all the money, she got all the money from those movies. Uh, she, after after they figured out that she was underage, all that had to be destroyed, uh, and she basically, um, I think maybe destroyed the production company that she worked for. Like it completely lost like a ton of money. Um, they were facing litigation, I believe. Yeah, understandably um, so. <laughs> yeah, um, I think they probably got out of it just because of the circumstances. Like she had the she had the credentials. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how all that worked out, but um. She was basically blacklisted by the uh, the adult film industry. Like nobody wanted to work with her after that. Um, so she started doing her own stuff, but she uh, dropped a couple albums. Uh, one <laughs> in 1995, and that is the song that you're listening to. Okay. Um, is by Tracy Lords. She's also, uh, if you remember, she's in the beginning of Blade. She's the girl taking the guy to the the bl- the blood rave. She's the one that's like, "What's wrong, baby?" Mm-hmm. That's her. Okay. Well. I had no idea who she was then. The name mm-hmm. sounded familiar. She sounded like a sitcom actress or something. Just the name, anyway. She was also Bubbles from uh, Zack and Mary Make a Porno. I don't remember the character. Mm, that's okay. I remember, but... I, I remember liking the movie. I just don't remember the details. Mm. Um, but 
that's that's cool also juno reactor um if i remember right they did some music for the matrix reloaded oh i'm i would not be surprised by that because this this was a style this was a very specific style of uh, techno music which i really like it's a lot of fun like like i said i don't listen to it but when it comes up i enjoy it i enjoy when it comes up this is immensely nostalgic for me because Mm -hmm. i i was old enough at this time to like have an idea of what the world was like and like this style of music is it puts me in a place in time in my mind it's like yeah i remember when this shit was everywhere the song at the end the the, this is the music from the beach that's why i like i kind of like those um those 90s movies but that music's like oh it takes me back to being a kid i remember going to my cousin's gymnastics meets and having all this (laughs) this music (laughs) playing all the time (laughs) Um, but yeah, the, the opening hit in this fight is hilarious because Reptile does this running kick and he, he kicks Liu Kang through a brick wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the opening hit for the fight. <laughs> and speaking of uh, grunts and like and mouth noises, um, yeah. I like, I like that a... Reptile, they, I think they just used the live audio from the set because mm. it sounds muffled like it's coming through a mask. And it's it's like <laughs> it's hilarious, but yeah, the energy in this fight is good. Um, Liu Kang busts out a Huracanarana at some point. It's like a head scissors takedown kind of like it's cool. <laughs> uh, I, there's a neat bit where like Reptile gets knocked down and uh, his his mask that covers his mouth has has teeth in it. Like it's an mm-hmm. open mouth because he's Reptile. And there's a cool bit where um, through his mask he like exhales and a bunch of like dust blows in front of his face so it's like that's kind of cool i like that mm-hmm. um and reptile also gets to like feel himself a couple times in this fight which just seems out of character like he strikes some poses that look like he ha- he's having too too much fun maybe <laughs> mm-hmm. or it's like he's supposed to be a fucking reptile he's supposed to be a monster but no he's behaving like a stuntman. I mean, man he moves very quickly that's the thing like he's probably the best opponent that he's had at this point i th- think there's a reason they saved this guy for towards the end of the movie because mm-hmm. it's important to escalate things in, in a martial arts movie it's important to have a good flow because there's like that's what's funny about like uh john wick like the, the end of the the end of the first movie in particular like just the 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 flow of the action it kind of kind of gets i don't know bogged down towards the end like the the climax of that movie is a little wimpy mm, compared to what yeah. came before um, but I think it's important, like, to have the big fight at the end be special, like, like, especially in martial arts movies, anyway. But yeah, the big finishing blow in this fight is the bicycle kick, um, which was introduced in Mortal Kombat 2, which came out before this movie was out, so all the kids were aware of it, and we do our best to to replicate that in live action. Mm-hmm. Um, Are there wires here, or is the actor oh. really doing it? <laughs> I don't know, Kyle. I think Robin Shu's just that talented. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, we do the bicycle kick. Um, reptile turns back in his reptile form, um, and he gets Bruce Lee stomped. Because this movie, I haven't mentioned it up till now, but this, the plot of this movie, the structure of it, is extraordinarily similar to Enter the Dragon. Mm. Um, so we may as well just you know go all the way with the Bruce Lee references. Um, then we meet Kitana immediately after the fight. Uh, more exposition about her. Mm. Really, all you need to know here is that uh, the fight with Shang Tsung is going to consist of multiple phases. Um, that's about it. <laughs> that's like five yeah. minutes of screen time saved for you. Um, and then uh, we get to the castle, and the first shot we get of Sonya wearing that dress 
Yeah. Look like she looks, looks like Barbarella. Yes. Uh, her hair is all blown out. She looks like she's out of a White Snake music video. Mm-hmm. Um, she's wearing this leather, short leather. What's it? Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's got David Lee Roth hair, and she's all chained up. And this is getting somebody somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, this was weird. That that's what yeah. she would be dressed up in. Dog. Yeah, I mean, there, there's really no reason for her to have any sort of wardrobe change. Um, no. at all i mean she was already just dressed really skimpily <laughs> like yeah. honestly even more so in fact um but the cut of that shirt shit um but yeah the first shot we get of her chained up it looks like it looks identical to an fmv game of the day like did you ever have the pleasure of playing those kyle so like, i an, played i played super nintendo sega genesis playstation i didn't i didn't play any like okay well all you else. need to know is like fmv games had a look to them and it was this where it's like really raggedy cgi and really pixelated human actors standing on a cgi set mm. it looks bad but in a charming way for me personally um anyway our heroes uh they infiltrate the tower and uh kitana cock blocks shang Tsung. she's like hey if she didn't accept the challenge, then you have to accept any challenge that's offered to you. And Luke Kang steps up and he's like, hey, I'm ready to fight. Uh, so he and Shang Tsung have their fight. He has no but- nipples. <laughs> he has no nipples here when he pops off that shirt. His nipples are like hanging under. I always thought it was weird. I'm like, where's his nipples? I can't even see his nipples. To this day, I don't draw nipples on people. Like, it's it's a thing. I don't draw hmm. lips and I don't draw nipples. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a thing. Um, but... Uh, it's the finale so of course Liu Kang got his hair done he got his makeup done and he got his pump and then some Mm -hmm. Um, finally after the entire movie Shang Tsung finally takes that pimp jacket he has that's a very cool jacket by the way oh yeah I was very happy to see them actually put that it's a duster (laughs) yeah but it has it it has some ornaments on it that make it look kind of cool I was very happy to see that make a return in uh, Mortal Kombat 11 it's one of his alternate costumes where you can play as old Shang Tsung or young-ish Shang Tsung. And they, mm. you, I think you were the one that told me he was going to be in the game, that they actually got, they actually scanned in his face. No, no, that wouldn't have been me. Oh, well, yeah, they got his, his face and his voice mm. reprising his role. And I was like, that's cool. Um, but then we get a reprise of the theme music for the big fight. Of course. Dun, 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 dun. But it starts it starts off the right way. It builds yeah, up dun, to dun, it. Dun, 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 dun. And this is exactly 20 seconds of fun. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate because what we have here is good. There's just the hand, not enough. It's, there's part just not one, enough of it. Part one I just call hand stuff. Like they, they're, they're, There's no kicks. It's literally just... Doing that yeah, stuff. It's it's just hand sparring. It looks great. The mm-hmm. camera's spinning the whole time. Um I get the sense that they probably reused like the same five beats of choreography and just used different camera angles and edits to make it look like they were doing more different stuff. Um but yeah, it's really unfortunate because what we have here is really good. It's just there's only twenty seconds of it. Mm-hmm. And then it just stops the moment Shang Tsung gets hit. A bloody he, lip, yeah. Yeah, he gets he gets a bloody lip. He gets hit exactly one time, and then it's like, oh, okay, we're done with that. That really cool stuff. So let's get to some stupid. Um, <laughs> I did I did like his you fool <laughs> D- delivered with aplomb. But dude, Liu Kang versus these warriors. There is one warrior he was not going to get past. Like in my in my opinion. Um, so we get 
Uh, is he, it the you, is it the guy spinning the thing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, the spinning the, the salt the and pepper shaker eyes. with the blade on the end. Yeah, the guy with the crazy eyes. I'm like, there's no fucking way he's getting past that guy. That no guy's way. a beast. That dude <laughs> is a monster. Yeah. No, there no. was an actual other like really really big dude also that he just kind of kicks in the face and he's dead. I was calling uh, him Debo. Yeah, he, he looks kind of like Debo. But um, Gerald Okamura is in here too. A veteran martial arts actor using Big Trouble in Little China and a host of other martial arts movies. Um, he has a distinctive he has distinctive eyebrows and facial hair, kind of on par with Al Al Leong. Um, if you if I showed you a picture, you'd know exactly who he is. No, okay. Um, but yeah, the guy the guy with the salt and pepper shaker with the blade on it. He uh he actually did promotional work for Mortal Kombat on like local television. Mm. There's a clip that circulated on the internet of him like as one of the Mortal Kombat characters being forced to remain in character and like ask like deliver interview questions it's oh. so embarrassing and he was also in Bloodsport 3 <laughs> which I like but you know I don't think Kyle's ever going to get around to watching I haven't even Probably seen not. Bloodsport 1 mm. um, but yeah this fight is not good it's like 10 guys that they all spring out of the floor that was kind of a cool effect and I like their costuming and whatnot, but it just goes too fast. And mm-hmm. these guys, despite looking like like monsters, they get dispatched with like one hit each. A kick in the face. That's it. Yeah, that's they're it. dead. <laughs> yeah. Again, what we have is okay. It's just there's only like twenty seconds of it, so we're kind of like hustling to the end here. Um, and then uh, Shang Tsung, in the in the midst of all this craziness, he ran up some stairs. Uh, and Liu Kang follows him, and there's this really awkward shot where we're up at the top of the staircase with Shang Tsung, and there's no cuts or anything. We just follow Liu Kang running Run up, up the, the stairs, stairs very yeah. slowly, and it 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 just does a disservice to the filmmaking because it's like, okay, not only does that look stupid, it also points out how small your set is. So it's like, way to go. <laughs> Probably need a cut in there or something. But um, mm-hmm. Shang Tsung morphs into Chan, and he tries to guilt trip Liu, basically. Yeah. Into, into stepping off the platform onto the spikes that have emerged out of the floor, thereby forming the iconic pit from the Mortal Kombat franchise, which, uh, for those of us who didn't know how to do the fatalities, i.e. me, uh, the pit was easy mode, where all you had to do is win the fight and uppercut somebody, and you get you get to see them fall and get impaled. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Liu Kang's like, nah, you know, I'm okay. I don't think I need to take a walk off of of a cliff today <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we we enter the final phase of the fight here and i noticed i noticed that the what you were saying about the goro fight with johnny cage is like dialed up even worse here where for some reason the camera is like it's like we're fighting in a bathroom or like a dressing room or something where mm-hmm. the camera's weirdly close to them and like looking down at them and i think I think the reasoning behind it is that we're trying to sell the fact that they're up high and that there are spikes down below. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like set space, it it reduces their working space for like doing action to like a two by two block. Like <laughs> like they have no space to maneuver, so the blocking is really awkward. Where we just keep going back and forth in this really tiny space, and so like all the intricacies of the choreography are just thrown out the window, and it just turns into like. A Patrick Swayze Roadhouse slugfest <laughs> it's like we've we've seen better up to this point which makes it a little embarrassing that this is how we're ending the movie mm-hmm. um, 
but yeah uh shang song does a a hadoken with no fireball for some reason like i'm not sure that would actually hurt like a double palm strike to the center of your chest it's like you know it might put a handprint on my chest but it's not really going to hurt me mm. um but yeah long story short uh Shang Tsung's re- souls start to rebel against him because Liu Kang decides he's ready to win. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he just decides, you know, I am the chosen one. I think I'll, I think I'll win now. Um, and uh, yeah, Liu Kang unleashes a barrage of punches. Um, the drums and the gongs start going nuts here, and then he does a legit orange fireball for the finishing blow here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of cool that we got it in there. I, it would have been nice to have more ridiculousness like that, but it's it's all we get. <laughs> Shang Tsung's um, best line of the whole movie, they are mine. Forever. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I forgot the rest of the line. Oh, forever. <laughs> forever. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, but but yeah, yeah. He, he falls, he gets impaled, and I really like the morphing effect of him turning into yeah. a corpse. I always like that, too. It's pretty juicy. And then there's a spirit vortex. Um, it looks really silly. Uh Chan shows up, the ghost of Chan, and he Chan tells, chat. <laughs> Chan chat. We have a Chan, Chan chat. chat. We have a Chan chat. Uh, and he tells Lou, hey, Lou, bro, you're going to die someday, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's not so then, bad. Yeah, and then he leaves. Peace be the human. Um, <laughs> and then the, yeah, that uh, Enya music that you've been talking about throughout the episode. Orbital. Um, Halcyon. Orbital? Yeah, Orbital. Uh, yeah. The song's awesome. It's nice. Again, it takes me back to... A place in time yeah it's a uh, it's a good time yeah we um we get back to uh, cambodia or thailand or wherever we were uh wherever we were uh uh filming at and everybody's all happy we're running through the running through the streets and everything well i'm sorry the 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 monks are all like super happy and we're all just having our our stroll down the path you know all all good things and like oh i never doubted you for a sex stuff kind of thing yeah um i do like how this transitions um how this is the beginning of the second movie (laughs) and what happens in that movie (laughs) it's pretty great um but yeah i love this this ending scene um this has got a horror movie ending scene where it's like we thought we we you know came through the other side and then oh it gets dark and like what the hell's happening and raiden's like samper dude and then this is Frank Welker doing the the voice of the emperor. Yeah, at his Frank Welker eist. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I just wrote in my notes. Hey, Frank. <laughs> hey, Frank. <laughs> Speaking um, of spawn. But yeah, we get a, a miniature temple explosion, which is kind of nice. It's a practical mm-hmm. temple explosion, and then a a giant like semi transparent Shao Kahn. So it's I presume a bodybuilder or something wearing a lot of makeup and a big helmet. He says, you weak, pathetic fools. I've come for your souls. That's really good. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Raiden reiterates the, I don't think so. And Then, then we uh, all strike a pose. Yeah, and then, bam, ending credits. Because that's how you end this kind of movie, in a hustle. Fuck like, yeah. You got yeah. to run the fuck out there. Get it out. Wait for the sequel. This movie actually did really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't doubt it. Um, And I... It's not a great movie, but I thoroughly enjoy it. Like I can, this is very, very, very watchable for me. Very watchable. Um, I could like put this time anytime. I could put this on any time of year and just like get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's it balances the like the cringe factor very well. Where it's like outside of the Sonya fight, I think I 
I think I'm okay with people I know, like loved ones and stuff like mm-hmm. that, being in the room to watch it with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the sequel, not so much. That movie's just kind of embarrassing, to be honest. I, it was one of those movies that, as a kid, I didn't know what a bad movie was, so I was just like, I don't want to watch that again. Like, I watched it one time, and I'm like, it wasn't really a rewatchable movie. So, yeah. That yeah, wasn't. I, I think the first time I saw it was like on an HBO free weekend or something, mm. and I was like, yeah, I don't need to see that again. Um, I I own Mortal Kombat and uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation and the first season of Mortal Kombat Legacy because it was the kind of situation where it's like, huh, I can get the first movie on Blu-ray for $8 or I can get all of these for 5 It's like, well, uh, I'm only going to yeah. use one of those discs, <laughs> but why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> Mortal Kombat Legacy wasn't awful, by the way. Hmm. Um, it's kind of cool. Like, it was sold on the strength of uh, Michael Jai White and uh, what's-her-face, Jerry Ryan, uh, Seven of Nine, the two of them being Jax and Sonya, respectively. And Mm. for me personally, Darren Shalavi as Kano was kind of a selling point. Um, But the problem is uh, each of the episodes in the series are about different Mortal Kombat characters, and their episode, not plural, just their episode, is is very good. The other ones are garbage <laughs> um, but yeah i'm glad we got around to mortal Kombat because guilty pleasure or otherwise this is a movie that obviously we have a lot to say about and we both enjoy um but yeah uh, this kicks off our guilty pleasures month and next week i believe we'll be covering what is it kyle twister i believe it's twister yes <laughs> again a movie that's been a long time coming i'm very excited for that one because unlike mortal Kombat, it's a movie I remember enjoying, but it's one that I haven't seen in a very long time. Mm, nice. And I, and you bring it up a lot, so I'm I'm actually very excited to check it out again. I watch it once a year. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, sorry about the length of this one. Obviously, Mortal Kombat's a uh, important topic for me and Kyle <laughs> both. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Catch us next time. <laughs>